0: Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome and glad you're along for the ride as we begin the new year right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM, at least a new year for our afternoon drive show. All the show's on today. Glad you are with us. So much to talk about today on the program. Good to have the band back together. Hey, it's Carlisle, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson. I'm Frank Frans. You haven't had the band together for a while, so it's kind of fun to do I've, it.
1: Yeah, I feel like I haven't been here in a month.
0: I know, it. I know. so. But uh, we're back here. Vacation's behind us now. It's now time to get to work and all kind of fun stuff. We are going to go on and on about how much fun that Saturday night is going to be. My goodness, I've been thinking about it because I know you guys have. On and on and on about what that what that scene's going to be like at the stadium, what it's going to be like Friday, what it's going to be like all day Saturday, and all the tailgating—a uh, scene the likes of which um, we just haven't seen. And, and the team has earned that man; they earned it by walloping the Texans. We'll get into that. Uh, I, I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited about all of it. Uh, it's been a great bowl season. I thought the bowls it's best been the best overall bowl season in a while. Both playoff games are fantastic. I, I was honored to call the Gator Bowl game that you heard here on the station. It was. So with my buddy Shane Matthews, and it was a great game, maybe the best Gator Bowl game, I'll bet, in three decades. I'll I'll bet it's been the best Gator Bowl game. If you look at crowd, enthusiasm, national spotlight, how good the game was, uh, the notoriety of at least one of the teams, you know, uh, in in the the fan turnout from the other team. So, so much great to talk about. Uh, We all got away. I know, Lauren, you had a good getaway. Hayes, as well, and I did. Gibby, we all had some time away. So there's so much exciting to talk about. We're going to get to all of it, I promise you. Because we're very enthusiastic, but we're remiss if we don't start at least with all of us weighing in on on Demar Hamlin, the uh, Buffalo Bills defensive back that, that collapsed last night. By now, you know the story. We don't know the details. Uh, we know it was uh, it was heart it was cardiac. That's what they have told us. Um, he is in critical condition. We think, but stable uh, in a Cincinnati hospital, and that's really all we know. And I won't I won't say more than we we know. I mean, I won't act like we know more than we do because we know just whatever the same thing you know. Um, we are going to have Ryan O'Halloran come on the program. Ryan, uh, obviously friend of the program, was here at the Times Junior for many years covering the Jaguars, moved on to Denver um, to cover the Broncos, and now is in Buffalo as a columnist uh, covering uh, the Bills and, and a lot of things in the Buffalo area. Ryan was there last night, Hayes. He was at the game. He was in the press box. I think he was at the hospital afterwards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Ryan is, is a fantastic journalist. He is a veteran-seasoned, really good journalist. But I want to get the feel of just what it felt like in the stadium. So we're going to start that at 320. We'll get to that again. I think we're remiss if we don't talk about how it made us all feel. Uh, But then we're certainly going to get to all kind of Jaguar stuff and good stuff as well. For me, it was just like Keontae Johnson. Were you guys watching live during the Florida FSU basketball game? Were you Hayes? Yeah, I was too, and I was too. Gibby, Were you by any chance watching that game? The no, basketball? but I remember just yeah. everybody being in shock. And I remember if you remember it because it was COVID, the announcers were not there. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember that oh, or not. Right, but the yeah. announcers were not there, so they and so you couldn't. They couldn't tell you what was going on during the breaks. And I distinctly remember, but you knew something had happened. And all you and when they came back, they said that a Florida player had collapsed, and then you knew it was Keontae and how rattled they all were. And I can still remember the story because at that point we were in the in the midst of COVID, so you didn't know if it was COVID related, and and so so anyway, boy, last night felt like that to me. There was just a numbing feeling, and because last night was the game, everyone was so excited about. It. I mean, that was maybe the game of the year in the NFL, certainly among them. And um, golly, I just it was just a numbing feeling. All the prayers, legitimate prayers that I think we all really did say, uh, prayers that that people shared on social. Uh, I thought the the broadcaster did a, a wonderful job. That, that There's no real uh, – Suzanne, when I were watching, Suzanne said, shouldn't they go to some alternate programming here? I said, well, there's nothing appropriate. You don't want to show highlights of a game. You don't want to – right? So there's nothing really to do. And I thought Scott Van Pelt was magnificent, as he always was. I thought Susie Colbert and Booger and Schefter were fine too. I thought they all – I mean, it's a hard job, man. And I and I thought uh, SVP was, was magnificent. Ryan Clark was, was so good. Uh, but it was a numbing feeling – uh, I, I, there's, there's no better word for it for me that it makes uh, it makes you remember that football is life, not a movie. And I guess that's what, uh, what, uh, I took out of it.
2: Yeah, no question about it. The bills tweeted this out, uh, within the last hour, Damar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit and remains there today in critical condition at the university of Cincinnati medical center. We are grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received thus far, um, yeah, so it's to me, it's almost identical to Keontae Johnson, and and unfortunately, as we know from that experience, these next seventy-two hours are we you don't really know where it's going to go. Thankfully, Keontae Johnson survived and is now doing what he loves and playing college basketball at Kansas State and playing at a high level. I uh, you know hopefully for Demar Hamlin, he'll be able to to resume his you know not only you know survive this but resume his career. Um, it's a testament to how brilliant the medical teams are. And, I mean, what medical science can do uh, in the most dire of circumstances is amazing. Because he, you know, I mean, this is something that if he survives this, it probably normally would have killed him. Uh, And the fact that, that this medical team may have been able to save him uh, like the medical team was able to save Keontae Johnson. Uh, hopefully that's where it goes. Very interested to hear Ryan's perspective on it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an absolute tragedy. John McClain, who we all really respect, a longtime Houston Chronicle uh, reporter, um, you know, tweeted that he's covered the league 47 years. He's never seen this. I mean, really other than it ha- you see it uh, – we've seen it a couple times in basketball. Keontae Johnson, right. uh, Hank Gathers, uh, it, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Um, it, it just is something we've never seen in, in the NFL. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be the, the last one uh, that we see and hopefully DeMar is able to make a full recovery.
1: Yeah, heart stuff is so scary because it is so sudden. And, and another situation when this occurred was Christian Erickson, who plays soccer – And he collapsed on the field and he's now able to play soccer again. So you do hope that DeMar Hamlin is able to make a full recovery. But Frank, you mentioned watching live Keontae Johnson. I was crying throughout that entire experience. And that was because that was a player that I felt like I knew. Last night, I didn't know. I had never heard of DeMar Hamlin before. And I'm crying again last night for probably like a solid hour just thinking of what his family's going through and what his teammates were going through. And I certainly thought that they made the right decision in, in not playing the game. I don't think that that Florida-Florida State basketball game should have gone on.
0: You know what happened that game is the story came out. The officials didn't know what to do. So they went to Leonard Hamilton first. He was the home team. Leonard said, this has to be Mike's call. And then Leonard went over to Mike White and said, Mike, this we'll, we'll do whatever you want to do. This is your team. This is your player. And Mike went to the players and, and asked them. And the players said, Coach, we need to play. We, we, we don't, we, we don't, we don't we need to play. I think if they had that to do over again, they wouldn't have. I, I can tell you that it was still, and I know I've told this story before, Hayes. I know you know this story that I've been told by members of the staff. Some of the players never got over it. Trey Mann cried every day for a month. When they finally did play, like three weeks later or two weeks later, after they had 10 days off, played at Vanderbilt. Do you remember this? They played at Vanderbilt. And when they got in there to do the shoot around, it got spooked all over again, just the scene of it, the scene because the Vanderbilt Arena probably not all that different than the Tallahassee-Leon, the Tuck. Because so,
1: uh, it's traumatizing. It's
0: traumatizing, and so yeah, how traumatizing it was. And I know people were hard on the NFL for not immediately canceling the game, and they're right. They should have immediately canceled the game. It, it did take too long, but they got it right. They, had a, they wanted to make sure they got it right, and they did. the bottom line is they did get it right. Um, I, of all the things I read about it, <clears throat> one thing that really stood out to me one one of the do, a doctor is it David Chow I think maybe it is. It was really really well written. He's he's a cardiologist but now writes about health. I think.
3: He was the Chargers team doctor for like thirty years. Okay, so
0: that's who it is, Gibby. Okay, thank you. So, uh, so Gibby, you probably read it too. His 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 take yeah, he's very popular. Yeah, and the one of the, the one thing he wrote was, and I never thought about this. He said, other than a hospital, a football stadium is the best place to have a heart attack. Now, there's no good place to have a heart attack, but but his point was. The amount of medical personnel there, because football is such a violent sport, the amount of medical personnel there to handle all kind of tragedies, the amount of ambulances and, and, and defibrillators or or just whatever. It, nowhere there's there you're never more armed anywhere than at a football stadium because of how how violent the game is. And so, I wonder had he gotten hit in the chest at home, or out to dinner. Or really anywhere else on a jog, we may, he may not be around now, and at least as of today, it looks like he is for for now. And so, um, but it's just it's just a, a a terrifying, scary story.
1: Yeah, I really hope that we were going to wake up today to Demar Hamlin is is able to breathe on his own and and is re- in right. recovery. And obviously, it's going to take a little longer than that, like Hayes said. But, but yeah, still praying and and praying and praying. All
4: right,
0: so let's take a break. We are going to start the show with a recap of that from Ryan O'Halloran. He does such a great job, and Ryan was there last night. What it felt like in the stadium, uh, what he might have seen transpire, and then again, that's really all we can really offer uh, regarding this. But he will remain in our prayers. We'll certainly we got a Duval County Scholar Athlete stopping by at three forty. We're going to talk Jags and Texans and Jags and Titans and. What an amazing scene it's going to be down at the stadium. I absolutely cannot wait for that. Uh, but right now, let's talk about uh, what Ryan O'Halloran saw from DeMar Hamlin. That's after the break. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks with you, Andrew Gibson as well. Uh, most of us were watching last night or soon thereafter when DeMar Hamlin uh, collapsed the defensive back for the Buffalo Bills. In the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, our friend Ryan O'Halloran was there. Ryan, as you know, was here at the Times Union many years, moved on to the Denver Post, and is now a columnist for the Buffalo News, and was covering the game and joins us now. Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. How are you?
5: Good, good, Frank. Good to join you
0: guys. Uh, hey, um, you've done this a long time. We all have. But but I'm going to guess you haven't seen anything quite like that. Um, what was it like being in the press box around other writers, around fans? Is that thing transpired last night, Ryan?
5: Yeah, yeah, totally bizarre, uh unprecedented, and you know, probably for everybody in that stadium. And you know, I, I'm not sure how much ESPN showed or didn't show, but you know, he it was a totally innocent play. Uh saw the tackle, you know, you later see on the replay, Hamlin gets up, take you know, looks a little wobbly and then just falls back on his back. Guys, he was dead on the field. Yeah. Uh and they, they brought him back. And so you know, the, the, the first red flag was the way he fell down. That means he was out. The second one was uh, you know, players gathered around the injured player, they could not look. They were backing away, they were right. sobbing, they were leaning over, they couldn't contain themselves. Again, the third one was the big one, they're doing they're doing CPR compressions in the middle of the big football field. So those were the you know, that was sort of the setup and we counted like eleven minutes between the time he got injured to the time he got put in the ambulance. Yeah. It felt like 11 hours I mean time was just crawling uh,
0: boy I'll bet in, in the press box and look we've all been in a thousand of them and press press we, we work hard uh, we laugh and joke in the box we, we talk to our buddies we talk to people we cover the other team that we haven't seen except for when we play this team I've got to believe Ryan there was even a pall over the press box was there
5: yeah there was because uh, you know the first time they showed the replay of him falling there was this there was this uh, this gasp. You like, know. oh, and, you know, everybody's heard that before. And, you know, after a big hit or something like that. But then you just, I mean, like, we had three reporters there from the Buffalo News, and we just shifted into work mode. I mean, I, we were writing down, you know, he was injured at 8.55. The, the ambulance came yeah. on at 9.03. Right. He was loaded in at 9.11. They sent to the team at locker room at 9.17. We're just trying to chronicle everything we could because we know we were going to have to write fast. We're going to have to provide the readers with stuff they were not seeing on TV.
2: Ryan, uh, what can you tell us about Demar Hamlin as a as a person from from getting to cover him for a, a few months here?
5: Yeah, I mean, second year player out of Pitt, sixth round pick. You know, entered the season, he was backup, special teamer. Micah Hyde, you know, one of their best players on defense. He sustained a neck injury in week two; he was put on IR. Hamlin becomes a starter, and you know, talked to him a couple times. Good spirit. Um, you know, he had go, he was going through some of the things guys go through when they start for the first time he in the last couple of weeks, he was missing a lot of tackles. So he was probably fighting it a little bit, but so I thought this was going to have to be a big game for him because Micah Hyde could have come back maybe in the playoffs, but you know, he was one of the, he was one of the guys who was trying to earn a starting spot for next year at the safety spot. So, uh, and, but you know, he was one of the constants because they've had a ton of injuries in the defensive backfield all season.
1: Hey Ryan, how do you think this will affect the bills as far as emotionally moving forward?
5: Yeah, that, that's yeah. I, I hope they don't say we're going to rally around yeah. this. Uh, this is not a ACL uh, where it's uh, hey, we're next man up. You know, they, I think they're going to. Uh, you know, it's going to take some time. I think uh, Roger Goodell made the right decision that this game will not be resumed this week. Uh, they have a scheduling. They got a scheduling not to untie because this was hey. Let's face it. This is about football once you get past this and this was a big stakes game frank you said it in the first segment this was going to be an awesome game i mean both teams were fired up uh, the, during those first two drives so uh but i think uh, uh you know, once they get back in the building support each other i think that's what's going to be the key for the bills and i don't think they're going to use this as a rallying cry just as you know or motivation or incentive they're just going to say hey he's our brother he's hurting right now but we're going to play football
0: Ryan O'Halloran, with us, uh, old friend from the TU, now at the Buffalo News, as a columnist there. Uh, Ryan, it, it, I think from your tweet, did you go to the hospital, or did someone from your team, from your from your uh, newspaper team, go there? And, and if so, what was the scene like, kind of outside of the hospital?
5: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had we had an eleven thirty p.m. print deadline for first last night. Okay. So my boss texted me and says, "Hey, can you give us? You know, what can you give us?" And so. You know, gave him 500 words pretty quickly, and then sort of redid it, and, and filed like at 10:45 or so. And he goes, and uh, he goes, hey, do you want to give it a shot? It was about five miles away, okay. uh, the the uh, trauma center was. So left the stadium, and you know, started walking a little bit, probably a mile, mile and a half, just to get into a race where you can get an Uber, right. and they'll come pick you up. Okay. So they dropped me off at the hospital, and there were some you know TV folks there, but. Uh, I think I was the only Buffalo writer there, uh, but uh, and there's probably 40, 40, 40, 40, 50 fans there, Bengals and Bills. And mm. it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a sad deal. It was, they're just trying to pick each other up. And I talked to one Bills fan and she says, she goes, I'm here for this kid. This is why I'm standing here across the street from this hospital. Mm. And that sort of signifies, I think the Bills fan base sort of supporting their player, but it wasn't, I mean, I, I, I got there thinking it was going to be more uh, morose. But the thing is, is nobody really knew anything at that point. I mean, the Bills didn't put out their first statement until 149 this morning. Right. So I think everybody was still hopeful. But this, 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 this kid is not out of the woods yet. I mean, he is. This is going to be, you know, this could be a, a long time before they want if he's going to be okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no question about it. Uh Ryan DeMar, uh is is involved in in some charitable uh organizations and and things that that he's initiated. Uh can can you give our listeners a sense of of things that DeMar Hamlin is involved in if they want to try and and help out? I've seen some of that on social media today. Yeah,
5: yeah he, he had a, he had a, like a second-year player like you guys know, you know, Second-year players, they start to they start start their charities in a small fashion. He started a GoFundMe last, last month. Hey, we over 2,500 bucks to get get kids some toys. By mid-afternoon today, that was 3.5 million. Wow. I mean, think about that. I and mean, you had players from other teams kicking in a thousand bucks apiece on GoFundMe last night. So that shows you sort of the brotherhood of the league, but also um, how much the fans think of him. And you know, and this this fan base would have donated for any player, but it uh, you know that kind of injury sort of probably struck them a little bit more.
1: What has it been like covering the Bills with the Bills Mafia?
5: Uh, interesting fan base. Uh, you will you will not meet you will not see me referred to them as the Bills Mafia because you know I'm a contrarian, folks. I'm not going <laughs> to fall on a line. But uh, but this was uh, last night. I had it ready in my head. If they beat the Bengals, I think they're going to Super Bowl because they would have had one more win to clinch the number one seed, which right. was the first round by which means they would have had to beat the Bengals or the Chiefs, not both, and they would have had it in their house. If they would have lost, it would have been a tough road. So um, it, what's fascinating to me since I got here is being able to cover a franchise quarterback. I mean, Josh Allen, your team always has a chance because he is a nuclear weapon. They got some other holes, but so does every team. So but as long as he's healthy, they're going to have a chance.
0: You know what, and this is probably a conversation for another day because we'll have you on again because – I've long thought that Elway is the comp there. Now, you didn't cover yeah. Elway, but you were you certainly were around a lot of people that did, right, and the fan base that followed him, and I think that's who he is. I, I think that's – for me, that's the comp, and that's certainly a conversation that I want to have with you at some point. But final thing here, um, I think, Ryan, what I took out of that, corny as it might sound, the brotherhood of the NFL and the brotherhood of sports and their fans was really on display last night. The two coaches getting together – the players Joe Burrow going into the Bills locker room among others i i thought that was yeah i hate to use the word refreshing on such a dire night but but i thought that was inspiring for me as a, as a as a reporter and a journalist covering it and being there next to them while they did that did you sense that as well
5: yeah it, it i didn't have a, i didn't have a problem with them taking their time to figure out what to do because Nobody had been in that situation, right? And you have to loop in the league, you have to loop in the commissioner, you know. And 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 as Sean Smith, the referee, was on the field talking to McDermott and Taylor, his microphone was on to New York, so New York was listening in as those right. coaches talked to each other. So, I mean, it is an all hands on deck. Did did it take a little while longer? I don't think so. But regardless, they got to the right place, eventually. And to me, I think it was handled the perfect way because. You know, as you guys know, this this isn't golf or baseball. This is a violent sport where if you're thinking about getting injured, you're going to get injured. And so, I I don't think either team was in sort of the mental state to to
0: play football last night. Ryan O'Halloran from the uh, Buffalo News. Few people have ever covered the NFL better. I mean, that's sincerely, brother. Thanks for joining us, man. I know you got to catch a flight. Uh, We'll check in down the road. Appreciate it, Ryan. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Uh, Ryan O'Halloran, outstanding beat reporter, and and he kind of took us through kind of if you're in the journalism business or the newspaper business. That's what happens you've got three people there you're having to update because fans count on us you know f- fans count on I mean there, there is a responsibility it's not just a this isn't fun in the sun fans ca- we all wanted information last night well if you're a reader of the Buffalo newspaper you probably are first in that first in line on that list of people that want information and need information and 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 you're trying to update your fan base and your website and and, and your social channels as quickly as you can. And that's what they went through. So uh, one thing he said that was that was very pertinent there, and that is we probably won't know for a while um, the the end of the story. And 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 I and I and I get that. I get that uh, cardiac um, um, concern Arrested. or cardiac arrest. Well, car- any cardiac concern, right, uh, is a is a very is a big deal, and, and it can take mm-hmm. a long time. And anybody, any of us, and anybody listening somewhere along the line you've been touched by a, a, a cardiac uh, event in your life whether it was a family member whether it was a friend whether it was you uh, I, I I don't know many people that somewhere along their line in their lifetime they weren't affected by a cardiac event and, and I think so we certainly understand uh, the difficulty of that we continue to pray for Damar Hamlin I can assure you that thanks again to our friend Ryan Halloran for joining us Let's take a break uh, we got a Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week coming by here. We're going to talk uh, uh, to Taylor Sweat. That comes up in a bit. We're going to talk Jaguars-Titans. We're going to talk Jaguars-Texans. What a weekend that was. Bowls and playoffs and a whole lot more. Glad you're with us on this Nimnick Tuesday. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
6: And
7: now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week. Brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL.
1: Our scholar athlete this week is Taylor Sweata Sr. at Fletcher. Congratulations, Taylor, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, is this your first time on radio? Yes. I think you're going to do great.
6: <laughs> Let's hope so.
1: What is your favorite sport to play?
6: Uh, it would be soccer. And why? Um, uh, it's the first sport that I've ever like, really fell in love with. Mm-hmm. I've been playing since I've been. I was like five years old. So. Okay. Did you yeah. love the World Cup this year? Yes, I did. It was really, really fun to watch. I so. thought so too.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I got a question. We're not, Hazen, I don't know soccer as well as Lauren because Lauren's a soccer player like you are.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: But I heard you say you're a goalkeeper, right? I am. I, I want to ask this question <laughs> because I'm serious about this. What is it, when you're in a penalty kick situation? Take us through what that's like. It's just them and you, and that goal's really big. <laughs> so, so, so take us through the mindset of a keeper in a, in a PK situation.
6: Um, I think that you really just have to be brave and, like, you have to trust your instincts because, um, I mean, it, you're, like, 12 years apart, so it's super close, but yeah. you just have to trust yourself and um, you got to pick a pick a side and then go with it. That's what, do you guess? <laughs> yeah. Do you guess where a, they're a, headed? A lot of the times you do guess. Um, I feel like, especially as you get older, there's more skill when there's penalties. But, yeah, definitely there's a lot of guessing to it, but...
0: And it's, do you know the – like, if you know your opponents tend to, I mean, I, PKs are fascinating to me. And, again, I don't know a lot about soccer, but, it, I mean, it's you and them and that big old net. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of know them and guess and yeah. take your chances, right?
1: Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Well, it's like baseball. You know the tendency of the, yeah. the right-handed hitter versus the yeah. left-handed hitter. So but, soccer, you know but, kind but, of which way they're going to go. But in
0: baseball, which I do know a little bit about, the, the pitcher is 60 feet, 6 inches away. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw a pitch that might be 100 miles an hour, but you're never supposed to guess. You're not supposed to guess if it's fastball, slider, curve. You're supposed to react. Yet it's coming 100 miles an hour, so a lot of hitters guess. Well, you know, so I, I would think that you yeah. got to guess some, right?
6: Yeah, you definitely got to guess some.
2: We are talking to the reigning Times Union Girls Soccer Player of the Year and the FHSA Girls Soccer State Championship Game MVP, Taylor. Tell us about that performance, winning MVP in the state championship game. What what were you able to do that day? What was your defense able to do that day?
6: I mean, that was that was a fun game, like thinking about it, um I mean, we had to like work very hard, like oh I don't know um
2: did you guys take a lot of shots on goal that day or I did the like, opponent
6: uh, yeah there was yeah. the opponent was definitely pressing us a lot that game, and uh, we really held our own, so that's definitely like something to look back on and be very proud
2: of so. what was it like when the you know ref signaled the game's over and you guys had done it
6: it was it was so fun, like everyone was jumping around and hugging and maybe even some tears, but it was super fun.
0: You lost your mind, right? You're supposed yeah. to lose your mind in those <laughs> much,
1: yeah. Tears, are, tears of joy are always allowed. Now, a keeper, too, if Frank may not know this, has to be very vocal because yes. while there are other players that are, you know, the center mid, obviously, super important throughout the flow of the game, but the keeper is obviously the one that's going to set up against mm. free kicks and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you find yourself a, a natural vocal leader?
6: Oh, I definitely wasn't at first, and okay. it was something I had to learn. And I feel like I've come a very long way with that. So,
0: right. yeah. let's talk about college. What are your plans? What do you want to do?
6: Um. So currently, I'm going under the recruiting process, and I'm trying to play in college. So okay. it's still something I'm trying to figure out, but currently undecided.
0: What? Are, give me some possibilities.
6: Oh, I wish I could tell you, but I'm not really sure at this point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh-huh. How, how does that work? Do you go to camps? Do they do coaches come and actually watch your high school games? What What's sort of the process in, in getting coaches? Uh, to to notice you?
6: Um, so usually they come to, like, my club games and stuff. I'm actually going to a showcase this weekend. Where well, good there'll luck. Be, thank you. There will be college coaches there to watch me play, and then we'll go from there if they like me and see what happens.
1: Obviously it's very hard work to play a sport and also keep up really good grades. How mm. do you balance all that?
6: Um, I just feel like it's something I've had to, like, learn how to do, how to balance that. Um, I mean – I feel like sophomore year was like my year where I really learned how to do all of that, where the workload picked yeah. up and probably sports and academics. And it's just something you have to learn how to balance. All right.
0: Well, Taylor, Sweat, so you're a great player. I mean, the Time Junior Girls Soccer Player of the Year and the state championship uh, MVP. Congratulations on a great career. Good luck uh, as you pursue this college thing and these showcases. Uh, great to have you in here. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. All right. Taylor Sweat from uh, Fletcher a terrific, terrific soccer player, and a very good student, too, by the way. So uh, she's going to be able to kind of pick what she does down the road. So it's great having Taylor in here. Uh, and she'll play what, she's going to play so- college soccer, uh, and there's no doubt in my mind about that. But I always knowing nothing about soccer, mm-hmm. I always do wonder, for goalkeeper and penalty kicks, got to kind of suck, right? It's I mean, very I mean, stressful. Yeah.
1: Now the more you know about those play- the other players' tendencies, the shooter's tendencies, the better off you obviously are. They watch film just like football players watch film as far as you know which way they've gone the last 10 times they've taken penalty kicks and all that kind of stuff. What's always crazy to me is the guys that go straight down the middle, like the, the shooter that has the just bravery and courage to go right down the middle, because you see that a lot, because the keepers now are, you know, yeah. back then you used to, not back then, when I played, a lot of times keepers were told to stay in the middle, and if you can get to it, you can get to it, but... You don't have to try and guess which side. Now they pretty much throw themselves because right. they think they might get a side.
0: It looks like they're guessing. It looks yeah. like, like I, I, I'm telling you. I can never forget the first time I went from being like a little league baseball player to growing up and playing guys in high school and older guys that really knew how to pitch and hit. And, and coaches, you can't be a guess hitter. You can't be a guess hitter. Oh yeah, it's coming. <laughs> you you got to guess some. Every every hitter's got to guess some, even though ba- ba- every hitting coach will tell you you can't. You gotta get you gotta you gotta particularly two and oh three and one when hitters count you guess but I I think he gets more than that so I always wondered as a goalkeeper guess take a shot I think he's going here or she's going here right so so anyway but, but Taylor Sweat, she did a great job no question about well we that. saw in the
1: World Cup it obviously in the final came down to PKs and the keeper uh, that guessed correctly the most end up winning they win the World Cup yeah Argentina. Go.
0: All right, uh, thanks to Taylor for coming by and our, and our friend Tammy Talley for making that happen. We love our Duval County Scholar Athletes of the Week. We'll get to, we'll to Jags-Titans in a minute. Let's start with Jags-Texans. Were you surprised they mauled them as uh, badly as they did? Remember, li- it is the Texans li- team that played. Everybody yeah, close for a Yeah, a little now. bit,
2: but the Texans no-showed, which was fantastic. They really did. So, the, I mean, the Texans played about as miserably yeah. as, you, as you can play. And, and that's why, again, and this is getting ahead of ourselves, it's, it's why I wasn't concerned and am not concerned about the rest component because to me, you didn't have to exert yourself to beat Houston. I mean, it, it was, it, it almost came across from an intensity standpoint that it was a, it was a joint practice at times. I mean, I, I thought the Texans were making business decisions left and right and totally playing out the string. Uh, so, I, I, which worked out great for the Jaguars. I, I didn't think the Jaguars played particularly well in a lot of areas. But you go and win a game by you know that amount, route an opponent on the road, a divisional opponent, uh, it, it, it tells you either how well you played or how badly they played. I think in this case it was really how bad Houston played, which was a surprise, a pleasant one, considering for the previous three weeks they'd been very competitive.
1: Yeah, and, and I thought the Texans would beat the Titans based off of how bad the Titans are playing and how well the Texans were playing at that point in time. But, yeah, I I thought going into this game, the Texans knew the Jaguars were the better team. I don't know when the last time that happened was. I guess nine games ago. Uh, And, look, the fact that the Jaguars were able to be so balanced offensively, I thought was excellent. Almost the exact same uh, amount, yards passing and rushing. The three rushing touchdowns. And then to get the defense to play the way they did it, I thought was excellent.
0: And you might have hit it too, Hayes. Uh, Maybe they they checked out because how did that team – Almost beat the Kansas City chiefs right and I mean, Dallas I mean, I mean and, and the Dallas Cowboys, but the chiefs, I mean, I mean the Cowboys are good, the chiefs are maybe the best team in the league, and they took them to overtime. I also thought the plan the Texans plan was weird. I understand you're going to use both quarterbacks it was it was jesse Palmer Noah Brandeis, wasn't it Doug Johnson, Noah Brandeis for a while there it was and
2: uh, maybe part of it was you can get away with that for certainly the first week when yeah, teams aren't expecting yeah. It. Maybe the second week when teams are still like, are they really committed to this? You know, How much should we really prepare for it? Now it was obviously out in the open. This was yeah. the fourth week, I think, that they had, they had done it. And so the Jaguars were prepared for – I mean, there's a reason no one does this. Right, you right. Know? I mean, Correct. because it, it's about as desperate a maneuver as you can make in the NFL. Well,
0: part of part of quarterbacking is getting into a rhythm, getting a rhythm with your cadence, your linemen and receivers learning your cadence. That that that's a whole part of the game. Is you settle in, everybody settles in together. Uh, the play caller settles into what you're, what you're, how you're playing that week. It was just, it was bizarre for me. But anyway, the Jaguars win it easily, thirty-one to three. I thought they, I thought the Jags played like a dominant football team. Lauren, to your point, they were better. That when you're better, you're supposed to go win. You're supposed when when you win, when you better go win. And I thought, uh, and, and and you're right, it worked out perfectly for the Jaguars. It couldn't you want you, he needed to start all his good players because he, we had this conversation last week hey, when you and I did the show tuesday and i and I, we had the conversation even off air a lot a lot of us did you have spent a whole season sending the message that you have to be ready to play on sunday and here's how and it took it took a while for the message to take because they were they weren't finishing games because they didn't learn how to win well once you've learned how to win and learned how to get ready for sunday and learned how to uh, all systems go you can't unlearn that for one week. Ah, this week doesn't matter. But now, but but by the way, I get you. I need you to relearn it for next week. It doesn't work like that. And not with a young team. With an older team, then maybe. But a younger team, that's not how it goes. So we had to start everybody. But what you hoped is get a lead and get them out of there, and it couldn't have gone any more perfectly. I mean, it really could. Travis Etienne didn't even didn't even come on the field in the second half. Trevor was off uh, out early in the second half. Uh, it could, that part could not have gone any more perfectly for the Jaguars.
2: Uh, Doug Peterson's had a magnificent year, but I think the last week was the most masterful he's been in terms of doing exactly what you're saying. Controlling a message immediately. Can, there was no – I mean, from, the, from the first time he saw a microphone, he said, there are no meaningless games, we're playing everybody, Let's go, and, uh, and his team responded by playing with an with a intense purpose, and uh, it was great to see. And then you look at the data at the end of the game in terms of you know usage, and you see that Etienne only plays 24 of 63 snaps, 38%. You couldn't dream that up better, particularly considering he had 140 total yards of offense and a touchdown. Trevor and, and Brandon Sheriff, who's dealing with the uh, abdominal injury, and Trevor obviously dealing with the toe they play 44 of 63 snaps, 70%. That's perfect. You know, 44 snaps, that's, that's fantastic. Trevor really only took the one sack where Walker Little got beat. Um, and then defensively, your, your highest-rated defender uh, was Josh Allen in terms of snap count percentage. He played 77%, which is fairly high for That's a, I'd say that's a normal uh, game for Josh Allen. But considering normally they've got your entire secondary plays 100% of the snaps – and normally two of your linebackers are going to play 100% of the snaps. Uh, the, you know, the, the fact that Josh Allen was the most at 77%, you couldn't draw that up any better. So the Jaguars should be happy, in my opinion. I know Doug Peterson wanted Sunday. He was very vocal about that even in, in postgame in Houston. But I think it works out better this way, because I don't get a sense that they exerted much energy to beat Houston. And, and I did I was encouraged to hear Doug say uh, yesterday, they didn't even go over the Houston film. You lost a day of, of preparation right. for this game. So the best thing to do, if you have to lose something that you would normally do in a week, lose the going over the Houston film because you just won by 28. There's not a lot that right. you really have to go over. So I thought that was smart. Go ahead and just cut that out. We're not going to even really review Houston. We're going to just go straight to the Titans. And uh, again, I'll we, obviously we have to see where this week goes and the result that we get in uh saturday night but i thought that was you know brilliantly you know planned out by doug peterson just you know okay we're losing a day. we'll lose the day where you know instead of reviewing a game we won by 28 uh we'll just go straight to tennessee i thought it was brilliant i don't think this could have set up any better and if the jaguars do win saturday night then you've got either a full week for the wild card game or you've got an additional day so you know i think it worked out fantastic for the Jaguars.
1: What was the locker room like in Houston after the game? Because obviously I'm, I'm guessing they weren't overjoyed. They have unfinished business like they keep saying.
2: Yeah, I don't. I didn't get a sense that you know, for, for my job, I'm, I'm in with Doug Peterson in his press conference. Then I go into the locker room while Trevor gets ready. So I'm in the locker room. Then I go back to the press conference room when Trevor talks. Then after Trevor's done, I go back into the locker room. So I'm not in there the second sure. that it opens. Uh, after the the 10-15 minute cool-off period but yeah you didn't get a sense that uh it was interesting talking to Josh Allen uh after the game and you guys will hear that interview who played, you know, coming up well, who played very well played very well you know I asked him about this was the first time in like 20 years 21 years that the Jaguars have played two consecutive games and not allowed a touchdown the 2017 team never did it none of these teams had done it since the 2001 Jaguars. So I asked Josh Allen about that achievement. He was like, they shouldn't have scored at all. We shouldn't he was upset they gave up the three points to Houston. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, there was certainly I don't think was any sort of celebration. And, again, that's another message that Doug Peterson has is, is voiced in, in his press conferences, and he's certainly voiced it to his team. We've clinched nothing. We've won nothing. So there is nothing to celebrate yet. But, boy, I cannot wait to go into that locker room Saturday night if this team gets a victory because you got to think that is going to be one of the most jubilant yeah. uh, locker rooms we've been in in six
0: years. One final look back at the Texans game. When we come back, you will hear from some of those players. Hayes uh, grinds through that locker room afterwards, including Josh Allen who had been down for a while but is maybe starting to put it together a little bit. You'll hear from him, Tyson Campbell, Luke Fortner. All that all comes up right after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. One more look back at the Houston win. Uh, Josh Allen had not done a lot of late, but he plays hard and he battles and he grinds and he's one of those team leaders. Uh, he had a very good game against Houston, second one in a row in the subject of this post game uh, one-on-one with Hayes Carline.
1: Nobody goes behind the scenes and inside the locker room better than Hayes Carlyon. Here's Hayes with another
8: one-on-one on the frangie show
2: we're pleased to be joined with jaguars outside linebacker josh allen here on 1010 xl 92.5 fm and it's great to see you happy new year
8: happy new years man good way to start it off yeah
2: congratulations on the win what was uh the key today to you guys having sh- such uh defensive success
8: uh stop the run pressure the quarterback create takeaways <laughs> We do that, man. That's our, that's, our key to victory. that's our key to success. And we did a good job at that and trying to go get this next one.
2: How uh, sweet so was it seeing uh, Tyson pick up the fumble and go 12 yards
3: for the touchdown? Man,
8: let's go. Man, we just talked about who's going to score. Mm-hmm. No matter how we would have did it, pick six, fumble recovery, forced fumble, whatever, Who who's going to score? And, uh, you know, so we made a play. I'm glad. I'm happy. We, got, we finally put some quotes on the boards. So that was the first time we did it since. Oh right, right, yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a third. That's a third touchdown. Let's keep going. Let's keep stacking
2: them. I got another one for you. This is the first time the Jaguars have not allowed an opponent to score a touchdown in back-to-back games since 2001. Let them
8: score a point.
2: But no touchdowns now. The Jets didn't score, and the Texans. We
8: We shouldn't let them score a point we kinda I'm, i know I'm upset about that. I mean we should have I mean I'm I'm not trying to feel no type of way, you no know, not trying to be cocky or nothing, but I feel like we could've really we should've really not let them boys score.
2: How good was it having Trayvon and Foley back?
8: Man, it's a great. I love Trey, man. I love playing against this dude, man. I love the energy that he brings, the the physical nature that he, this guy brings every freaking day, every play. We know what we're gonna get from him, and uh, we're ready to go. Now wait for me, bro. God, leave. All right. <laughs> I appreciate you, though. Huh? And Foley, too, and Foley too, man. Foley, man in the middle. Yeah. You know, we got we definitely, definitely, you got a powerhouse like that inside, man. It's going to be hard to run inside. Uh, Hardly taking the double teams also that makes it a lot easier for the inside backers to come up and make plays. They do a good job at that, and we got to continue to keep on.
2: What does this meant to you? You guys have busted so many streaks this year. You do it again today. Houston at one nine in a row. What's this been like for you, Josh?
8: Uh, man, I remember going back. Come on, huh? I remember I I was just thinking about uh, to the Chargers game, man, and sitting down, on the sideline with Trayvon, man. I forgot what play we had, but he looked at me and said, bro, we special. It was week three, but we special. And I said, hell yeah, we are. And even though we had the little stretch when we weren't winning, we knew this was going to be a special team. We knew our moment was going to come, and we stayed consistent. We stayed true. Our job, our mission is not over yet. We are stepping. We are Coming up that ladder, to where we need to get to when we get to that peak. Uh, but you know, we're a special team, man. We got to continue to keep going.
2: Josh, I appreciate your time. Last one. Uh, how much are you looking forward to seeing the crowd Saturday or Sunday when the Titans roll in and seeing the Jaguar support you guys are going to have for the AFC South title?
8: We need a full. We need a we need a full crowd. And by the way, I didn't see a man guard Christian Kirk yet. Just uh, <laughs> put that out there. Uh, but man, we want to see a full crowd. Uh, we, wanna, we, wanna, we, wanna, we wanna get some all-size penalties for the for that for that defense over there. Uh, we wanna get some false starts for the offense, for the for the, uh, for the Tennessee offense. So we need the crowd to be loud, man. We want them to pack this crowd, pack the stadium, pack the bank, and just know we're gonna be ready to play that game.
2: Josh, congratulations on the strip sack today and the win. Happy New Year and thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. It's cool seeing the interaction that this team has because if if you heard in that interview, Josh Allen says, you know, just brings up Christian Kirk kind of on a whim. Uh, And it's because Christian Kirk's walking right past him going around the corner to head to the bus and you just, you don't often see the offense and defense and you could tell Christian like looked back and had this great smile and you could tell he appreciated it and it just – this team just really seems to be a bunch of really good guys that really do have a genuine respect and, and care for one another. And even good teams, I don't know that you always have that. The defense might have it. The offense might have it. I don't think I've ever seen it here where it's, it's meshed so well, where the defensive guys appreciate the offensive guys and, and vice versa. And I think they absolutely have built that. You know why that is? Because you're dead on, by the way.
1: It's all Doug Peterson.
0: It's all Doug Peterson created it. You better believe it is. And, and what he's created is the, the best players aren't entitled. When, the, when, the, when your best players aren't entitled, all that, that. What has to happen is your great players can't be entitled because if your best player, Jalen Ramsey was the best player on the football team by a wide margin. By a, Calais had a great year, but Jalen was the best, would you agree, by a wide margin, the best player on the team. He was entitled. And when your best players aren't entitled, nobody is.
1: Yeah, and I would say one of the best players on this team is Foye Aluokan, and I think he is the exact opposite of entitled. What a,
0: what a good player he is. Uh, you're right, Lauren. He, he's not a, not a sliver of him is entitled. And what a good player he is. Explosive. Led the league in tackles again, by the way. okay, He's leading the league in tackles for the second year in a row. Yeah, he had nine the other day. I mean, what, what a good player. Tough nose. You're, great call, Lauren. Does his job. Doesn't have, just, just, he just shows up and does his job. I mean, he is, a, he is, he is certainly that guy. Uh, another defensive player that's becoming a star is Tyson Campbell. Hayes caught up with him after the game as well.
2: We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars cornerback Tyson Campbell here on 1010XL 92.5. Man, great to see you. Happy New Year.
4: Happy New Year, my man. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Tell me about the touchdown today. What was that like for you?
4: Um, man, I just saw the ball. Just, you know, we running the ball. You know, good things happen. Uh, ball popped out. I saw it, picked it up. Saw the end zone.
2: Did you have the celebration planned, or was that uh improved?
4: No, the crazy thing is, like, before that drive on the sideline, I was telling Jink, I was like, I'm getting the end zone, I'm going ride a bull. <laughs> so, I got in the end zone, that's what I did, so.
2: What was the last time you, go ahead. Yeah. When was the last time you scored a touchdown?
4: In college. Okay. Uh, so, not that it? long No, nah, not that long ago, about two weeks. Two or three years ago. Okay.
2: Very cool. What were you guys able to do? They Obviously, they only had three points. Uh, what were some of the keys today in your mind, Tyson, why you guys were able to be so successful?
4: I think it was just effort, man. We were just running to the ball. You know, running, we run into the ball, um, you know, uh, preventing yak yards. And, um, and everybody just did their job. Everybody trusted everybody to do their job. No explosive, not letting the ball get over our head, So we just played a clean football game.
2: Christian Kirk goes over 1,000 yards a day on the season. What's he meant to the team, and, and what's he been like going up against?
4: Uh, he's, he's meant a lot to his team, and uh, he's definitely helped me get better, um, especially during camp and in practice. So, you know, just to see a, a great receiver like that, um, uh, making an accomplishment like that is well-deserved.
2: You've obviously played in some huge games in college in your career. Do you have any idea what it's going to be like when the Titans come in and the AFC South title is on the line? How much are you looking forward to it? And uh, what what kind of crowd do you uh, want to see in Jacksonville Saturday or Sunday?
4: I hope we sell out, man. Uh, it's going to be exciting. You know? uh, I feel like the fans are going to fill the stadium up. It's going to be a lot of great energy. And you know I feel like we're going to perform well. Tyson, thanks so much for your time. Happy
2: New Year. Happy New Year. One of the core uh, parts of this nucleus, uh, young player Tyson Campbell, uh, certainly appears to be uh, headed towards a, a big-time second, uh, second contract here with the Jaguars and playing outstanding football. And uh, It's going to be uh, an, an interesting test for Tyson if uh, the Jaguars can win Saturday night because my guess is if you get the Chargers, that's going to be a, a tough,
0: tough assignment. But uh, Tyson Campbell's up for it. Yeah, they didn't have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen last time. Going to have yeah. him this time. So we'll see. We'll get to that when we get to it. One offensive player that people talking about, Brandon Sheriff, is among them. Brandon Sheriff said Luke Fortner's the smartest rookie I've ever been around. Now, again, he's an older guy. He's two years older than Trevor. Trevor kid's about that all the time. But uh, Luke Fortner is such a big part of this football team. The starting center, I mean, from day one. From day one of training camp, from day one when he got off the bus, and he's done a great job of anchoring that offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, he's caught up with luke after the game
2: all right we're pleased to be joined with jaguar center luke fortner here on 1010 xl 92.5 fm great to see you congrats on the win
3: yeah appreciate it man thank you how's everything
2: going for you guys
3: yeah it's obviously going great uh you know we're playing really good football lately and looking to continue it
2: etn breaks off the 62 yarder what happened on that play
3: Oh, man, that was super exciting. Uh, he read it great. He, he knew exactly what was happening before it happened, and uh, he had accelerated vision and, and put it through the hole there.
2: Luke, what, did, what kind of approach do you think you guys showed? It was obviously uh, a, a challenging, unique week in terms of there was talk of how how much does this game mean and are players going to rest, and you guys just came out here today took care of business.
3: Yeah, I think it shows the maturity around the team. It shows uh, how much the veterans on the team and the coaching staff kind of uh, coached our way through this week and the veterans led the way through the week and you know showed that this game mattered to us and we were going to come out here and uh, win the game
2: you don't get in trouble or find if i talk to you do you
3: well if you tell people yes <laughs> but if not no
2: <laughs> all right good i don't want to get you in trouble but uh how's everything going you haven't missed a snap this year one of the uh, i think it's just you and Khan who haven't missed a uh, offense or defensive snap uh, unbelievable iron man for a rookie well, what's the season been like for you
3: you gotta find some wood to knock yeah, on, but uh, no, no, no. It's uh, it's been great. Uh, I've just been helped tremendously by the guys around me on the offensive line. Obviously, older guys, veteran guys who know what the grind of a season is like and, and kind of helped me through that and coached me up along the way. What's it been like working with Trevor? Oh, he's incredible. He's a great dude. He's a great player, uh, great quarterback. It's been fun to watch him grow and be a part of that and, you know, take a little bit of credit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What What was that like? He He obviously hit the last six, seven weeks, just an amazing elevation in his play. What, what did you notice as he was sort of going through that from your unique perspective?
3: Uh, I think what I noticed is it didn't, you know all that work was he was putting in you know early when people weren't so high on him and he was struggling a little bit all that same work he was putting in the whole time and uh finally just the dam broke and he you know it all came to the light
2: you guys have a, obviously a huge opportunity saturday or sunday whenever the league schedules the game what are your early thoughts about seeing the titans again and the stakes and the environment that it'll be in jacksonville
3: yeah, they're obviously a great team. It'll be a great game, and you know it'll come down to the wire. I'm sure. Uh, you know, I hope TIA Bank is rocking, and I'm excited. Luke Fortner, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on the win today. Yeah, appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I always uh, worry when you talk to the rookies, particularly rookie offensive linemen, because they have a tendency to get fined or, or kind of yeah. get a little bit uh, of, of, of fun. Uh, you know uh, ribbing from their teammates so hopefully but Luke Fortner it's, it's come on are you really still a rookie this yeah, he's, is like, he's like this is like game yeah, 16 yeah, and, and to your point and he's like 40. he's like yeah he's he's actually older than Stetson Bennett yeah. I think so um, but uh, but yeah it's a, he's a he's a savvy uh, savvy player for being a rookie and it it is uh, incredible I think uh, in terms of the achievement uh to, to have logged all one thousand and seventy four offensive snaps. Knock on wood. Uh knock on wood is <laughs> as, as he said when I asked him the question, please knock on wood. Uh um you know, i I think that's just uh that's just a, a remarkable achievement and, and for uh you know Fortner to have done it and I wanna say now he's the only one because Aluacon got uh you know relieved uh because the Jaguars were up so much. Yeah. So Aluacon uh, is uh is no longer has no longer played every single snap for the Jaguars he is close he is 98.35 uh, percent but uh, but Fortner is the only Jaguar that is yet to miss a snap on his side
0: of the ball so uh, incredible achievement We'll take a break when we come back let's get to a crazy week in college football wow what a week that's next day with us
5: the football weekend sounded like this
0: play fake roll into the right they throw it back to the left wide open is the tight end who will walk into the end zone mitchell evans what a play call a throwback to the left side and notre dame has taken the lead that's the old fake to the tailback he hits the flat slight roll then he sneaks across and he is wide open. And Notre Dame is going to win the Gator Bowl 45 to 38. What a ball game in Jacksonville. Trouble with the snap. It's picked
3: up. Lateral to Edwards. He laterals it forward. And Loveland is tackled. And that will do it. And ugly last play for Michigan video review there is no foul for targeting
5: (laughs) Duggan takes a knee fitting that the football is in his hands as they march on to the championship game from 50 for the win
2: and a spot in the national championship game it's on the
3: way no good he hooked it And Georgia is going to
5: survive. At the stroke of midnight, the first few seconds of 2023, Ohio State falls one kick short. The
0: Jaguars have come to the Lone Star State, and they leave alone. In first place in the AFC South. How good is that? How good is this bounce back from the Jacksonville Jaguars been? They were 2 and 6. They were 3 and 7. They're now 8 and 8. Control their own destiny. They play the biggest home game in a long, long time next week. We are the new kings of the AFC South.
1: Excellent job, Andrew Gibson, on the Rewind. Of course, that featured our own Frank Frangie twice, once with Shane Matthews calling the Notre Dame win over South Carolina here at the Gator Bowl, which was just a fantastic Gator Bowl. You had Sean McDonough as TCU shockingly beat Michigan. Chris Fowler as Georgia escaped against Ohio State. Thanks a lot, Noah Ruggles. Uh, the kicker for Ohio State, and of course Frank again on Jaguars Texans with Tony Basili. As the Jaguars are now in first place in the AFC South. Excellent mm-hmm. job, but I do have one complaint, Andrew Gibson.
3: Yes, what do you got?
1: To this point in the show, we've had no Loser Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, no, we have. The last time I lost, we hey, talked about it for three coming. hours. We did. So it's coming. This time. We have had yeah, no well, loser. We're, we're going to do the
0: picks and loser next <laughs> next segment. Okay, next segment. I'm that's just all... saying, okay. there's
1: there's no fairness. When I lose, it's a it's just piling on. Yeah. No, when did, when
0: did you lose? Last time. last time I lost. Or the last six that's times. Or when, you mean when, when there was Clemson
2: stuff all of
1: Yes, correct. When, <laughs> when Clemson people like, from other parts of the building chimed in, and everyone thought it was really funny. And this time, gimme loses, and no one said a single word. Well,
3: the the only thing that's different to me is that we didn't pick the the bowl games on the air. We that's did it right. on a, on a sheet, and so there wasn't really uh-huh. much I could – Good go point. Well from, said. That's true. Very well said. I would have made fun of myself for picking NC State. The, the, the best part was, Hayes goes, when did you
0: lose? <laughs> well, Lauren, <Lord>, don't you? <laughs> that was awesome. So, so there you go. Uh, we'll do our loser Monday and our picks up. The picks contest is, I mean, it's gripping. And we'll get to all that coming up in just a bit. Um, let's start with the games. Boy, that Ohio State-Georgia game was a fantastic game. Uh, by the way, I thought it was probably targeting. I think it was probably targeting against Georgia. I was surprised they, they waved that off. I don't mind that they waves it off because th- I'm still not sure I know what targeting is, to be honest with you. But I'm not going to go down the tunnel of, or the path of if he doesn't get knocked out of the game, they win the game. Even if I think that might be the case, Georgia's won too much, too dominant, too many games, too many years for them to say, oh, all of a sudden Georgia would have lost if not for a lucky break. Now, Georgia's, Georgia's great. Georgia's going to win. By the way, Georgia's going to beat TCU by about 100. Okay, you want to score for that one? I'll give you 101 to 4. Okay. I'll take TCU in 97. Will you? Because I think I think Georgia's going to roll them. But we'll see.
1: See, but, uh, the one thing I will go back to, though, Georgia's secondary is its biggest weakness. And right. last year, obviously, against Alabama, both the best receivers ended up getting knocked out. Against Ohio State, its best receiver got yep. knocked out. So I do think that made a difference.
0: And it is a year where everyone's scoring, and who knows who's beating whom anymore. I will, I'll give you that. But I think that Georgia defensive front is going to maul him. I don't think they can block. But we'll see. But back to these games. Two terrific games, man. I I, I will say that. I, I in the TCU game, they got ahead. What they did is they got ahead of the race, and Michigan couldn't catch them. That, that that was the you're the underdog, get ahead, get a big lead, and then just hold them off. And I three or four times I thought Michigan was going to win the game. Did you did, did you think that watching it three or four times I thought Michigan was going to catch? I, it.
2: I thought Michigan would win as yeah. I as I was watching it. I was surprised that TCU was able to. Hold on. Yeah, I, th- I
1: think J.J.'s second pick, J.J. McCarthy's second yeah. pick, is when I thought, all right, the Wolverines are in serious trouble. And,
0: again, they didn't have Blake Corum. But when you make Michigan – when you get Michigan into a passing track meet, you've probably got them. And, that, and that's why I thought it was a great win. As for Georgia, I'll tell you what, it's a ama- it's amazing how many good players they have recruited and developed. I, I, I mean, I've watched them enough now that I shouldn't still be amazed that they have that many good players. I, I, by now – because Ohio State's got a good team. Michigan rolled them one time. That was the only, they have one blemish on their their record. And, and Ohio State's good. Ohio State's legitimately good. The quarterback's really good. And Georgia finds a way, man. I, it's hard. If you're not impressed with this Georgia team, you're trying not to be because they are really, really, really good.
1: Matt Hayes tweeted this out. I was thinking the exact same thing. Does Kirby Smart have the stones? He said stones. I said cojones out loud to Brian. Does he have the – wherewithal to replace Stetson Bennett when it looked like he wasn't playing that well. I didn't think Kirby Smart would ever put in Carson Beck, but I it, the thought did cross my mind when he wasn't playing super well. See,
0: for me, when I watched that, when I re- I read Matt's tweet too while watching the game, Hayes, I thought, "No. No, you don't you don't you don't pull a guy cuz he's off. If you if you've got a guy that's been off a lot and it's clear that he doesn't have it anymore, well, you may pull him then, but you don't pull a guy this he's off the mark a little bit. I thought Stetson Bennett there was a chance he was going to bring him back. I, I, so I, I Stetson Bennett's an interesting cat. He, he's he and he and Luke Fortner are both about forty. He, uh, he's an odd interview after the games. You know, he was an odd interview when we had him in in media days. But he's a good player, man. He's a good player when he has to be. And man, do they have players on that football team? That that's what stands out to me is boy, do they have players on that football team? Georgia is
2: absolutely elite, and and they deserve to be the. Uh, the defending and, and, to repeat, is champion if they can beat TCU. I do think it is remarkable that you have the Mechie injury, the Jamison Williams injury, and the Marvin Harrison Jr. injury. I mean, that is – what are the odds of that happening? And I and thi- in theory,
1: Jackson Smith and Jigba, even though he hadn't played for a while, right. but it, it, he was also one of the best receivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, Marvin Harrison is a top-five player in college football. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. And – You know, Ohio State only needed a little bit more to win that game, and so I I do think it's it's fair to to point it out. Um, You know, and and again, it's just it's just it's amazing that there's been those three examples of it uh, of really explosive players that if you looked five years down the road, uh, you know, Mechie's a little different because he's going through the the unfortunate uh, you know medical condition, but. You know, Jameson Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be, yeah. I mean, he is going to be every bit the player his dad was in the NFL. He is sensational. Uh, but, but Georgia, it, it, you know, that's part of being great right. is great teams tend to get breaks and it, you know, and look, it, it ended up being a clean hit and it was a great hit. Right. It was, you know, a great play to disrupt the, disrupt the ball. The Mechie and Jameson Williams, I think were just non contact. Right. They were running down the field and, and just their, their knee got caught. But, um, yeah, I but I agree with you. They're going to – I think they're going to destroy TCU. Uh, I don't think that game will be overly compelling. Uh, and Stetson Bennett is a, you know, very mercurial player. I mean, you see – yeah, there's this belief that Stetson Bennett, and, I, and I'm guilty of it, is going to get, you know, like maybe a cup of coffee in a training camp and never be heard from in the NFL. And, and there's, you know, people I respect that think he's got – the ability to play, and maybe not as a starter, right? But he's got the ability to hang on uh, in the NFL for you know some time. Well,
0: Especially today's NFL, when Chris Streveler and Skylar Thompson are starting yeah. games, or, we are, or we're playing in games, Right. And Mike White is playing. I mean, yeah. today's NFL, he absolutely
2: is one of those guys, right? And you know, again, he, he just he's a very clutch player. Uh, you know, he had the the pass where it was the the fumble because it was so such a awful throw. Uh, but he's able to find himself, throw the you know seventy nine yarder because the Ohio State guy falls down. Mm-hmm. But he has a presence of mind to see that, uh, keep his poise, deliver a catchable ball, um, not get excited, and uh, you know take advantage you know of, of the mistake. And then in the two minute drill, he was just flawless. I mean, it was just bang bang. I mean, almost to the point where he almost scored gave, too quick. Yeah, right. it gave too much time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean that's just that's where George is right now. If that's uh, you know it, it's if if that's Florida in that game, then the Ohio State kicker splits the uprights. Because that's that's what Florida's fate is right now. Yeah, Anything right. that can go wrong, goes wrong. Right. And, uh, and when you're going but, well though, but all when going you're going right. great, you get that. Just like, you know, when Florida's going great, Jarvis Moss blocks the right. kick in sure. the swamp. Um, you know, it's just George is a great team and great teams tend to get breaks because they're
0: great. Yeah, when 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 Ohio State needs ten more yards for a makeable field goal and they don't make it, and Georgia stuffs them every time or stuffs them and then forces to it, that's because Georgia's better. That's just because you're better. There's a college football is full of Tennessee won because Chris Wankie wasn't available and Florida blew out Ohio State because Ted Ginn gets hurt on the on the kickoff. There's, there's full college football is full of that. But if you're good enough, you got the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy, and the team that has the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy usually
2: wins. I, I was really surprised Ryan Day called a handoff. I was too. Once they had gotten to the thirty, yeah, and again to Georgia's credit, yeah. they stuff it. It's yeah. not just a, they, I mean, Lost it's a two-yard yard loss, yeah, but I, which I, ended up being huge. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't understand that because you have Georgia spread out, C.J. Stroud's running the ball brilliantly, and why wouldn't you just stay in that and you know, it, it was almost like, okay, we've gotten in range. Now let's do nothing. And and then the second down and the third down pass, I thought, you know, it was like, what was the plan here? It just almost seemed like there wasn't any sort of – and, again, they're down Harrison. you don't know how that affected them and, and things like that. But, uh, and, and, again, you know, Kirby Smart took a lot of heat for the fake punt in the SEC title game a number of years ago. Right. What a job by his staff and Kirby right. Smart to call that time out uh, because the fake punt – what's going to work. It, right. And then you again, you don't know at that point is Ohio State able to do enough to hold on to win the game.
0: And, and I will say this, that's Kirby out coaching Ryan Day, because even though the fake punt was going to work, it was such an odd formation that Day gave it away. If you're going to fake a punt, the the, the formation's got to look like the, the like it looks when you punt it. It doesn't have to look goofy when it looks goofy. You're telling the other team or, or the guy, the coaches up there so up. Uh,
1: By the I, way, I, I'm not going to say that TCU is going to win, but I think it is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be one of those that does come down to the fourth quarter because, again, Georgia's biggest weakness is its secondary. Quentin Johnston for TCU is just so incredibly good. And so that is the one thing that I – and obviously Max Duggins is really mobile yeah. too – so I think it is going to be a good game. Do
0: you really? I, I, I we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe this is my SEC bias and Big Twelve non-bias. Big Twelves two and six in the bowls. They're the only real conference that's not beating anybody. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm an idiot. But I, I don't. Boy, I, I we'll see. We'll, we'll I guess we'll know. We'll know a week from tonight or a week from last night, whatever it is. So, um, but I, we'll we'll see what happens. Finally, the Gator Bowl game. I'm going to get Greg McGarrity in here Thursday just because he deserves a victory lap. That game came off because of him, and we heard it firsthand on this program. He made it clear. I mean, from the, from we kind of started kidding him. And remember, we came on in September. We said, who's going to be in your game? He never wavered. A lot of times, bowl reps have to, well, you know, we appreciate whoever we get. He said, we need a team from the area. We need proximity. I have made that clear. I mean, in September, he was saying that. And now, to, and he fought for Notre Dame. And, he, and all of a sudden, you get one of the most recognizable brands in college football history versus a team that I, they, those South Carolina people couldn't wait to come to North Florida. To go to the beach, to play golf, to go to that football game, to go to our wonderful restaurants in this fantastic city, and I'm telling you, driving into the game, walking through some of the tailgate lots, uh, being in that stadium, walking around that stadium, it was absolutely magnificent. It looked like it felt like the Gator Bowl in the mid '80s when it always had eighty thousand man or seventy thousand, whatever the number was, and the game delivered and the weather delivered and. And we had a great time calling it. It was a it was a magnificent day. I'm telling you now, it was a magnificent day in that ballpark. 45-38, back and forth game, two pick sixes, uh, dramatic come from behind, a bunch of lead changes, nobody left. Gosh, what a fantastic, fantastic Gator Bowl.
1: Well, I told you earlier, there are a bunch of Airbnbs because we live at the beach, and obviously people like to come visit. Tons of South Carolina fans all around. And so I knew that there was going to be a certainly a – very pro South Carolina crowd. I thought going away South Carolina would win that game. Yeah. Tyler Buckner hadn't played since early in the season for Notre Dame. Spencer Rattler had been playing yeah. so well. The way South Carolina closed the end of the season, yeah. I thought for sure the game cocks. Well, one really of the reasons
0: play. I mauled you in our bowl picks and mauled all of you. <laughs> I like Notre Dame in that game. I thought Notre yep, Dame had more good players. Did. I thought Notre Dame had more good players than South Carolina. So uh, but uh, but seriously it was a wonderful 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 day. All right. Speaking of picks we'll take a break. We're going to give you our loser Monday update. It's getting interesting. It's not over. Did you hear that? I did hear loser that. Loser Monday is not over. We thought it was over, but Lauren Brooks has hung around, and the picks contest might be as good as it's ever been in the history of picks contest anywhere. I heard there was one soccer picks contest in Norway once that was better. but this That one, was the Oslo League? That was the Oslo League, and that one always delivers yeah. is what that does. Uh, we'll tell you picks in uh, Loser Monday and a whole lot more after this. Have
9: you heard about the lonesome loser Beaten by the Queen of Hearts every time? Have you heard about the lonesome loser? He's a loser, but he still keeps on trying.
0: All right, it was a tough go for Andrew Gibson out of Murphy, North Carolina, where he played for the Redbirds up there. <laughs> Gibby was 9-11 and 11 in our bowl contest. I was 16-4. and 4. I just walloped y'all.
1: You really did. If we had done game picker uppers yeah, when it comes to bull picks, yeah. you had several.
0: I was sixteen and four. Lauren and Hayes were both twelve and eight. And Gibby was plenty good enough. Play <laughs> for third, you play for third. So, um, so Gibby was nine and eleven. Gibby finished uh, last, so he is a loser. So, thank you wh- for our delicious yes, show thank knows, you, Gibby. Gibby. Yeah, well done. So now the way, but let me tell you how Loser Monday looks now. Thank you, Ray. So thank you, Ray, as well. Now all I'm of so us. I,
1: I love Ray, but I'm so glad I didn't see Ray today. <laughs> you, for the first time in a while. I,
0: Ray's one of the nicest guys ever, but it is good to not see him on Loser Monday Mondays. <laughs> correct. You're exactly right about that. So um, but so now the way this thing looks is this. With one event left in the season, and that will be the <sighs> NFC AFC Championship game. It looks like this. Uh Chris Reimer had one loss. He was never really in play to be the loser. <laughs> Hazen, if he ever
2: if he ever wears that, it's been a real tough yeah, year Yeah, yeah, Chris Reimer. Really has.
0: <laughs> Uh, The one
1: year that you had in golf, if he ever had that year, he might wear that. He
0: might.
2: You Uh, have to pretty much (laughs) lose every (laughs) one.
0: Hayes and I both have two losses. We are safe. I lost the Final Four when my guy got frozen out in the World Series when I picked last. Those are my two excuses. Uh, (laughs) Hayes lost twice, the Players' Championship in the NCAA Tournament, so we both have two losses. Gibby now is up to four losses. Uh, Gibby now has four losses, the Sweet 16, the NBA U.S. Open, the Bowls. Lauren Brooks who's certainly most familiar with that hat, has mm-hmm. five losses. I make it look good. The Masters of the Draft, no doubt, PGA, the British Open, and the Conference Quarterback. So here we go, One, two, two, four, five. There's one. There's one match left. It, we What we do is the NFC-AFC Championship game weekend, and we'll all
1: participate.
0: And uh, we pick yeah, – because if
1: you lose, you're bringing lunch. That's
0: exactly right. <laughs> so we all participate, and it's we all draft three players, unless Hayes whines about which player he has to draft. Well, but, I might. Yeah, I've we'll, been known. <laughs> <laughs> we all I draft, have
1: PTSD from this one. We
0: have three players, and whoever has the fewest amount of points is a loser for the week. Gibby, all you have to do is finish third, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm
3: trying to do. <laughs> give me and Gibby, trust
1: me, <laughs> they are cheering for you.
3: <laughs> Lauren has what five or four losses? He's got five. Okay, you, you, you know,
0: so, no, so so, I would so, t- so if you if you were the loser this week, you're still not the hat wearer. Now it's a playoff. Yeah, then it's a playoff. And the don't want to get there. Yeah, in the amount of time Hayes and I will spend. Coming up with the prop bets, it'll be the dot time. We we may just go drink for a night. Coming up with these, yeah, we might, the the playoff might be settled. I'm yeah. thinking April 19th. <laughs>
3: That's right, ready for golf to come back.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but so, but if Lauren, if if anybody other than Gibby loses, Lauren wears the hat for. Is that the third time in four years? I just
1: yes, wow. mm-hmm.
0: I think you knew that, but I wanted to say it. So, but anyway, so, so oh no, have, I
1: think it's the second time in three years. Is...
0: Yeah, both. I don't know. Lauren keeps all the records. Three and four and two in a row. No, I keep those records. You do? Yeah, three three and four. So that would be three out of four and two in a row. That's horrendous. It was Lauren Hayes, Lauren, and then we'll see who this is. So there you go. Here's where the real drama is. Can I give you the real drama? The picks contest is pretty amazing. If I'm right, are you guys dead even? Are you, that is correct, or so. Are you you're luring up one. You're dead even, right? I think we're dead even. We
1: are dead even. Last night's bills Bengals game was going to go a long okay. way in determining things. Had so, the Bills won, Hayes would have had a game picker-upper.
0: So 68-68, 61-57. Is that right? I, have, I just
2: know we're tied.
0: Yeah. And I
1: have. We're tied at 71-61-59. Oh,
0: you know what? I didn't give you your points for this week. Okay. My bad. My bad. So you're at 71 points.
1: Yep. And then you have, Frank, you have 61, and Gibby has 59.
0: Okay, so 71, 71, 61, 59. So here we go.
1: What if we tie?
0: Um, well, then Gibby and I have to get to come up with something fun, right? <laughs> Gibby, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll spend some time. But, but, I mean, I mean think about this. We've done this thing since September 3rd, okay? And here we are with one week to go. You guys are dead We haven't had that before, okay, in a um, – in a very narcissistic moment, let me point out <laughs> that we started this in 11. We, the first six years blew and I split it 3-3. The last six years, yours truly is one that he said very narcissistically, finding a way to make it all about him since he's nowhere in the, in the running here. Um, but now there will be a new champion, and this is big stuff. Uh, so 71 points each. We'll pick, we'll pick six games next week. I will decide the games. Uh, I think, uh, Gibby, I think the way we do it, they just need to, you guys need to alternate, right? I mean, sure. they just need to alternate who picks what. Right? Yeah. Sounds I, right. I think they need to all, cause here's what was going to be fun. If one of you was ahead by one, mm-hmm. I, that person would pick first until you went opposite. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause if not the other, the other, you know, so, so, right. so that was, so that person was going to pick first until you went opposite. So, but anyway, 71, 71, 61, 59. You guys been good, man. And by the way, Hayes has had way more right than Lauren. But Lauren's been, but, but Lauren's got oh. the trash. She's got she's got the game picker uppers and the money balls. Okay.
1: I am a risk taker, in no parts of my life other than the picks contest. Lauren Lauren,
0: is, Lauren has eight game picker uppers. Hayes six, me four. Gibby three. Um, in money balls, Lauren is nine and eight. Hayes is seven and ten. And Gibby and I are outstanding. We're both four and thirteen. Give you caught me though in Moneyballs. Oh, I've so, you made know. a big comeback. And she did so. <laughs> so it comes down to Lauren and Hayes uh, for the uh, for the for the championship of the picks contest, and we will pick on Friday. And I can't wait to see how it goes. It'll be a lot of fun. All NFL games, obviously. I don't. I was going to put the college game in, but I don't think anyone's picking TCU, so I'm going to put all all six NFL games. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, before we let you go, Lauren, because Lauren's got helmets and heels tonight. Can you imagine the scene Saturday, the setting, the scene, the day, the weekend?
1: I am so excited for this fan base that some of them didn't even live here in 2017. So they've heard the chatter about it, but they've moved here, and now all they've had is is miserable. And a lot of them didn't live
0: here in '99. And certainly, that's the last time we've had a game like this. '99, in my mind, the Bills game was great. It was a playoff game, but I don't think it felt like '99. To to did it to you? It was great. It was great. It was great. It was great, great, great. But it wasn't. This is going to be. It's a night game. It's it's winning in and remember now, it's winning in for 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 Tennessee too now. This isn't like the, when the Falcons came in here that became a big deal, but the Falcons weren't playing for anything. They were they are playing out the string. The Jags were desperately trying to win the game, so they played with. This is two teams with everything on the line. It is conceivable that the loser could sneak in, but you need a. You need. I don't three think teams. Tennessee can. Oh, they can't. I think it's only Jags, the Jaguars and, and the Jags would I need. And the Jags would need the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Dolphins all to lose. Correct. They would need three teams to beat to get in at eight and nine. You'd need all three of those teams to lose. So.
1: And that, the Steelers aren't going to lose. We all know
0: that. It's not likely that any of the – it's not likely that all three are going to lose the game. I mean, it's not likely all three are going to lose. And instead of having a home
2: playoff game, your reward is to go to Kansas City or, or Buffalo, Buffalo yeah, or Cincinnati.
0: Right. Yeah. But you're probably not even in. The reality is you're probably not in. Probably And not the not at, Buffalo
1: so. playoff game in January of 2018, that was a 1 o'clock kick, and there were a lot of Buffalo fans.
0: Uh, of the – yeah, oh, you're the, right. Yeah, January 2018 of the yeah, 17th yeah. season.
1: And – I think Jaguars fans went into that assuming the Jaguars were going to win. I did the, too. The Bills weren't that – yes, they were a playoff team, but they weren't that good. And
0: the Jaguars won Ben Koyak in the back of the end zone. That's right? correct. But the Jaguars Jaylen won – Jalen Ramsey with the pick. But that's right, the diving pick. But But this is different. This is going to be, I mean, people are going to start, the people right now are planning their tailgate. They're planning right now how to, people are scrambling for tickets right now. There's going to be standing room only in that place. And the
1: Jaguars did send a, a release that they have released a few more standing room only tickets. So people yeah. should go to the website if they are looking for standing room only tickets.
0: And I, but I think all those tickets on the secondary market are going to be bought. They're not going to be empty seats this time. There's a lot of tickets to get bought on the secondary market and the game called a sellout. But no one's in the seats. That's not going to happen this time. People will be in those seats. It's going to be a scene the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time. And again, the magnitude of this thing is because it's winning in for both teams.
1: And, and it, it's your hated rival, yeah, and it's more your than hated anything. Rival.
0: And for Tennessee, it's it's the last bastion of look. They're going to have. If I'm sitting in Nashville right now, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence for a long time. They're going to have Travis Etienne for a long time. My running back's great. He's also 29 in a league where 30 year old running backs usually don't la- don't make it. And so I don't. I have no idea who my quarterback's going to be moving forward. I gotta, I, we got to play Josh Dobbs, who's never played and, and is a journeyman. So there, it's desperation, last hope for my team. If I'm a Tennessee fan, it's we finally are going to beat the villain. If I'm a Jaguars fan, which I am. So so you know. I mean, this is the 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 storylines in this, and it's on Saturday night. And and look. I was hoping for Sunday because I know that's what the team wanted, but for a fan base and for a craziness and not that Sunday night wouldn't have been crazy, but Saturday night's going to be crazy on steroids. Can you? I just can't. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about what that setting will be. Don't you think it's going to be just unreal? It's going to be magnificent. It's. It,
2: I think it will be the the greatest environment that that I have seen. Uh, certainly covering the team. Uh, since 2013 and because it feels like this is a legacy game it it feels like this is the start of the legacy of Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson here in Jacksonville and I don't know that in 2017 when they beat Buffalo people were very excited about Saxonville and the team but I I don't know that there was a sense of okay now Jacksonville is going to go on this amazing run for 10 years uh, I mean, there was certainly excitement because, you, you know, I, right. a lot of us thought they'd win the Super Bowl the next year oh, in 2018. Yeah. So I'm not trying to, to say that. These are all remarkable environments and, and scenes. But this one, I think, is a little different because in 99, you didn't have the pain and suffering that you've gone through for the last 20 years. Right. So you've really had to watch and endure some tough football to get to this point of, uh, of brilliance. And it really does feel like this is a legacy game, that Trevor Lawrence is a legacy player in the NFL, and this is going to start the foundation of what is his legacy in the biggest of moments, because it's not going to count as a playoff game, but it absolutely is a playoff game. And if the Jaguars win it, Trevor Lawrence could be a player if he stays healthy, where I mean, he might he might win a division right. in you know four of his first five years. Well,
0: that's the difference between now and seventeen. Is seventeen? You had Saxonville, a lot of good young defensive players. There was some hope. Leonard Fournette was just a rookie. Uh, you had some hope that you were built for a while, but you didn't know if you had. You knew you were gonna. You knew your quarterback wasn't going to be as good a passer as some of the teams you were going to play even moving forward. Now you thought you might could overcome that with everything else. He was tough. He was a gamer. He was well liked. Your defense was really good. Your, your running back was good, but you didn't. You always knew that the other guy, often you knew the other guy often could have a better passer. Well, that's not the case now. In a league where you got to have a passer, you got a really good passer. So
1: Doug Peterson will never have to do what Doug Marone did, whether it was the right decision or not. But go into that conservative offense right. against the Patriots in the AFC Championship yeah, game right. because he was trying to yeah. make sure his quarterback yeah. didn't blow yeah. the game. With yeah. Trevor Lawrence, you know he's going to go win the game for you,
0: and you've got an elite coach. Doug Marone did fine in that 17 team. He, he was one bad referee, one inadvertent whistle about away from being in a Super Bowl. He did great, but he wasn't an elite coach. There, at no point did you ever think he was he was a good coach. This guy's an elite coach to go with the elite quarterback, and nobody debates that. He's got a ring. He's got a ring in his house. Okay? This guy's got the ring. And so um but oh, all them I mean, but it all matters on Saturday night, winner take all man. Winner moves on. Winner plays at home probably the next Saturday, by the way. My guess is that'll be a Saturday game. But uh, so, I mean, the winner winter moves. This is an elimination game, man. This is as good as it gets on a Saturday night in Duval. My goodness, I've been thinking about this. Uh, it's funny how it works out. And, and, and kudos to the NFL for scheduling it this way. You know that? Kudos to the NFL for scheduling it where here come the Titans, to the Jaguars, don't like each other, two Southern teams. Two similar markets, a national and more advanced market. I know that, but two similar markets. Who is that going to be good? We got all week to talk about it, too.
1: That's right. I, I'm super excited. And obviously, that's what we'll be doing tonight.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. What's coming up tonight? Victory any, Tuesday. Victory Tuesday. That's right. Bringing the heat? Always. All right. Make, make it true. I'm going to
1: go heat up my bonus.
0: Enjoy your uh, hour off. And we'll take a break. Denny Thompson joins us after this. Stay with us. Now,
7: the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay. Bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Security and automation experts.
8: One, two, three. Play. Hey! All
0: right, the whisper is here. Let me just say this whisper. Yes, sir. If You going go to the ballgame Saturday night? No. Okay. I'm well, not. If you were going to, I'm going to have to ask you why in a minute, but I'll get to that. If you're going to go to the ballgame Saturday night, you better not whisper. Whisper. Because <laughs> that thing's going to be just it's going like be crazy. A, it's a, it's a rock concert meets a NASCAR race. Meets a monster jam, meets Florida, Georgia. No,
7: it, it's, I saw your tweet on that the other day and yeah. I like literally chuckled out loud yeah, it that is. it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. And just the fact that it's the Titans on top of everything wow. else, like I love hearing the 96 comparisons. Yeah. Cause anybody that's been around as long as we all have, that's, that year's always going to be our favorite, right? Like, yeah, sure. Cause there was surprise to it. That's what we've got here. We've got surprise. And if you look at, you come out of 96 and no Brunel's the guy, well, you're coming out of, this one, 22, knowing that you've got your guy, right? It's just – I don't know, man. There's a level of comfort, and it's like you can look at these games happening right now in prime time and go, that'll be the Jags next year.
0: Now, let me ask you this. As a football guy, not just a quarterback guy, but as a football guy, who's your most of your life has been football in yep. some capacity, um, give me the mindset of this game in your opinion, because for those that missed it, I keep saying this, Tennessee can, can move on with a win too now. That's right. The, again, when the Falcons came here in 96, they had nothing to play for. They were so they were loose and confident and they were about to win and then the guy missed the field goal. Yep. Tennessee has got to be nervous like Jacksonville, but Tennessee also has something to play for like Jacksonville. This is winner take all. So you're Tennessee, you're the veteran team, yet you've lost a bunch in a row. Yep. Jacksonville, you're the younger team, yet you've won a bunch in a row. Jacksonville's at home, but Tennessee's won a bunch here. Where is the psycho- – is there a psychological advantage in your mind?
7: I don't think there's a psychological advantage because I think we're feeling that here in Jacksonville. I think for the last four weeks as fans, and probably if you're completely <laughs> honest, even calling the games, yeah. you went into a lot of those games going, okay, is Jacksonville going to Jacksonville this
6: week, yeah, yeah. right? Like
7: it's we early, can count – the early
0: part of the street. Three yeah. or four times, yeah. right? Yeah.
7: And they never did. So, I, you know, from that aspect, I don't have an issue. I think they've exercised those demons, and this team has its own identity and has nothing to do with any of the identity of the past teams. Where it does worry me is the style of team Tennessee is. Like if they want to hold the ball for seventy percent of the clock, they can't. So you have to get you have to do what you did last time. You have to get out early. You have to start fast. You have to get up by ten. You have to get up by two scores so they can't just sit there and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. Um That's the only thing that worries me. Now you know they're not at full speed and they're not a very good football team, and we all that kind of stuff. And Jacksonville's hot. Everything points to it should be a beatdown. But that's as we've all learned. That's when you got to be super cautious.
2: You've worked with Josh Dobbs. You guys are pretty close. Yeah. What what's what's the challenge of that when he's been in the league six years? uh, He's only thrown, and this is after I've. you know the the game he just played against the Cowboys he's only thrown 56 passes uh in his NFL career how challenging that's is that right he's only thrown 56 in his career yeah and that's with a, you know starting the other night before wow. the other night against Dallas i think he only thrown that. like nine wow yeah, i was surprised i thought he'd gotten spot starts yeah. maybe with Pittsburgh or yep. somewhere in there um but you know what what kind of challenges can he present the Jaguars but also What kind of challenge has it been for for Josh to – how do you elevate your play when you're not ever – for six years, basically, you never play in a game?
7: Yeah, let's take the Jaguar one first because he does present an issue. Like, he is a really accurate thrower. He doesn't have the strongest arm. Um, But he's a – for some reason, people don't think of Josh as that athletic, and he is. Like, he is an insanely good athlete. Just go turn on the film. Like, this preseason, you know, he had a couple of runs in the preseason that were phenomenal. So – I think if you're the Jags, it's like you're looking at this and you're going, it's kind of a cross between Tannehill and Willis a little bit. If they were going to play Willis, then you would play a certain way. If you are going to play Tannehill, you play a certain way, and this guy's kind of in between them, right? And so I think you play your base defense and you let your guys eat and and you let that Mike Backer continue to do what he's doing in the run game and hope he can hold up against Derrick Henry. Um, But, you know, as far as, like, Josh, I don't worry about that with Josh. Josh, there's only a handful of guys in the league you can say this about. Josh is taking a pay cut to stay in the NFL. Like, the guy is so smart. He's a rocket scientist. He's a concert pianist. Like, he's, he's everything. Like, this don't bother him. Like, in his head, he's already played this game a million times, and he'll, he'll know exactly what he's looking for and what he's seeing, and he'll respond. And then the question is, does he have the guys around him? Does he have enough physical traits to turn that into a victory?
0: As the team that faces him has to deal with this, what – what are the biggest problems he poses for us? Uh he's athletic. Yeah. But he's a very good passer. He's not running quarterback guy. Uh, how do you assess him?
7: He's he's very cerebral, but he doesn't have it doesn't take him a lot of time to process. Like a lot of times you can get these analytical cerebral yeah. guys and you see it in the way they play. We saw it a little bit with Anthony right. early in the year, right? Very analytical, very cerebral. Um Josh has learned his way around that. I think he had that early in college. So I think if you're the Jags, like that's why I said, you got to base it up because if you try to trick him, I don't think you're going to, okay. I think you're going to put yourself out of position,
0: but there's some, but he's got to have some weak areas. Cause he's been a bit of a journey. So is, is arm weak, strength. Arm is strength
7: it? Yeah. And, and he's a little quick to move off his spot at times. Okay. Uh, he, he doesn't look to run, but at the same time, it's like, he needs a little bit of a wider area. And so that's gotten him in a little bit of trouble from time to time. But you know, I, I really think if you're the Jags and you you don't get too complicated with this, you do not slow the game down. You just you stay in your base, occasional blitz, but if you start trying to do tricky things with this guy, that you're going to keep them in the game because he's going to see it before you even try it.
2: How do you think Josh will handle the pressure? You make a great point. He could be doing other things with his life, but mm-hmm. he obviously loves being a football player. Loves it. Well, and think about this: with all the pressure that the team Tennessee has for for Josh. This might be your last start. Like, if you don't play well and and Tennessee loses, they're out. And I don't know where he is with his contract, but Tennessee obviously is probably going to look elsewhere for their starter. And you don't know, where am I going to be? Is the team going to pick me up? Am yeah. I ever going to get – Or the dominoes ever going to fall the right way so I can get back on the field? Like, Joshua Dobbs might be playing like his last game as a pro Saturday night. That seems like a lot of pressure on top of – a lot of pressure.
7: I haven't talked to him, but knowing Josh, he's going to take the opposite approach to that. He's going to look at it as a free roll. This is, we're playing a game that with a lot of injured guys, nobody expects us to win. I feel like Josh will always have a job in the NFL as long as he wants to because he's such a good quarterback room guy. I mean, everybody loves Josh Dobbs. Coaches, players, everything. But if I'm Josh, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, there's some freedom to this because I'm not going to be the starter in Tennessee long term. That's, that's probably not going to happen. Let me just go out and play my game, and let's see if we can get out here with a, with a victory. If I go out and I complete half my passes and throw two or three picks, that's kind of what the naysayers already expect. So I'm on a free roll here. Let me just go out and play free.
0: Was he at any point shocked? I mean, Ryan Tannehill's the quarterback. Malik Willis is the backup. Was he on the practice roster? I don't even know. No, I think well, he's he at Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, he was at oh, Cleveland,
7: and then when Deshaun right. came that's back, they kept Kelam on. And and got rid of him. So
0: so he was a free agent, a street free Basically. agent, and all of a sudden you blink your eyes, and not only is he in uniform, he's so. playing a one of the biggest games in Jacksonville's history. Maybe not maybe one of the biggest games in Tennessee's history, yeah. but certainly. I mean, all of a sudden he's on national TV on a Saturday night in a rocking stadium yep. with Buck and Aikman, uh, in all likelihood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, that, I mean, it's, that had to hit him like wow. I haven't,
7: it? and again, I haven't. I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks since he started. Um, I texted just we had a short text exchange, but I other guys, I would worry about that. But not Josh, Yeah, he is so he, like when he would come in to train, it was I wanted all of our young guys to come in and watch him. And not because the way he trained, but the way he processes information, details information takes it down at the end of it, the guy is going to be prepared. I just don't think they're good enough to stay with Jackson.
0: Yeah, well, and to your point, we go to break. I got, some, I got a bunch of quarterback stuff to get to in a minute, NFL quarterback stuff. But to your point, he obviously doesn't have the talent Malik Willis had, or he would have been a – was Malik a first-round pick or second-round third third round, third third round pick? Third-round, yeah. But he obviously doesn't have that, okay? But to your point, he's – pretty unflappable or Mike Vrabel wouldn't be running him out right I mean the, the reality is if he wasn't unflappable he gives him the
7: best chance to win
0: th- there'd be no reason to play him that's right because he, you're not playing him because of his big arm yep. you're not playing him because of his, his 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 dynamic playing style yep so that unflappability that unflappable unflappableness if that's such a word is probably why he's here
7: which tells you their game plan yeah tells yeah. you their game plan is yeah. to hand it off 45 give it times give it yes. 22 that's right yeah and you better be ready for
0: that yeah no question we'll take a break I've got a lot more to do denny thompson here this is 10 10 xl and 92.5 fm glad to are with us hey it's carline andrew gibson and i'm frank frangie denny thompson with us lauren brooks has the hour off as she gets set to host helmets and heels along with mia o'brien and taylor doll that comes up uh, in just a bit denny why are we seeing this why are we seeing and I, and I try to think if it's recency bias or if it's really happening why are we seeing so many names joshua dobbs among them Chris Treveller Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy, who's playing great by the way, and I know you, you work mm-hmm. with Brock, but I mean he's still a name that yep. at the end of the draft. Baylor Zappi or Bailey Zappi. Why now are these journeyman, no name, young, where they come from quarterbacks making it in the NFL when they they wouldn't have for many years?
7: Yeah, it does seem like a lot now that you put all of them out there. But I I, I think it's we're getting to an era of depth at quarterback. There's so many good quarterbacks coming out of the high school ranks now, like we've talked about a million times. You're putting your best athlete at quarterback, and they're seeing that through. Colleges are holding them at quarterback. They're not moving them as quickly. Guys like Jordan Travis that maybe 10 years ago would have been playing safety after two years. They see it all the way through now. Great point. And they see a ton of football, right? And so now they get to the league, and they're just waiting for their shot. And people need to understand how hard that is because you don't get any reps in the NFL. Right. If you're not the That's guy, right. That's right. especially if you're a third-string guy like all the guys you just named, yeah. you're getting zero reps. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're in the game. So, I mean, I think it, it says a lot about the character of these guys and the toughness of these guys, especially
0: Brock. Let, 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 me, let me add it, and, and Hazen wants you to weigh in here. Let me add a, a, a theory from someone that doesn't understand quarterbacking nearly as well as you do. I think you hit on it when you said Jordan Travis would be a safety by now in another era. Yep. I think everybody I just ran off, Joshua Dobbs included, Streveler, Thompson, Rock Purdy, Bailey Zappi, Jeff Driscoll, yep. can run. Yeah. And I almost think now the problem – hey, jump in here. The 30-plus quarterback, the 30-year-old guy, can't run. They can't, we're, that, That's the end of the era, and it's not that black and white. I mean, there's not a cutoff line – but the older quarterback that there's an end of an era of the quarterbacks who were statues and nobody wants them anymore. So these guys that that are a little bit mobile have a chance now. That doesn't mean they're gonna be great players, but they have more of a chance than they would have had in the past. Am I reaching there? No, I don't do in that?
7: fact you've got me thinking because I think if I'm looking for a word, we talked about not about eliminating dual threat or pro style or any of that, right? Yeah. If I'm looking for a word, the word for today's game is fluidity. Yeah. Right? It, and if you're a fluid Movement guy, you don't have to be fast. You got to be quick. You got to be fluid. You got to get through your progressions. Like we came up and we were taught very aggressive pocket movements. If you think about it, like reach with the back foot to stop, and when you're going from one read to the other, you know, get there quickly. All that kind of stuff. That that's gone, right? Which is why you don't see the six, seven, two hundred and fifty pound quarterbacks anymore, yeah. right? Because you really don't. You don't. Now it's an era of. You don't have to run 4-4, but you you got to be able to get from read one to read four fluidly and quickly. And everybody you named, when I look at Brock, that's what Brock's doing. Brock's playing the game very open. He's seeing the entire field, and he's acting on what he sees. In the past, like, we shut everybody down at the top of their drop, and you could only see a little sliver. So I think that the fluidity that all these guys have, because they train with it, they grow up with it, I think that's the biggest difference at the quarterback position.
2: I also think a a part of that, too, from a a defensive perspective, if a quarterback makes a great throw, you kind of move on to the next play. You know – when a quarterback runs for nine yards on third and eight, it just feels like it just takes all the <laughs> it air. out it of It does. does and and right? I think and teams have really kind of figured point. out we want that guy. Yeah. We want that guy that can point. make that play and, and break the the opponent's that's back. That's a great
0: point. With, it it is breaks a great, your will. It,
7: it is, because as he's saying that, I think we both knew what he was yeah. going to say. Yeah. We're like, yep, yeah. yep, yep. And it, you don't have to run. Like, you, Lamar and maybe maybe just Lamar is the only guy that you'll ever see break off a 50-yarder. Right. It's the nine yards, right? You don't you don't need the four three. We just need you to move quickly, recognize man, and go get the first down. And by the way, Trevor's doing that as well as anybody.
0: Yeah, and and I and but I don't think Trevor Lawrence would be all the rage if he wasn't so athletic. Oh no, I mean he. I mean he wouldn't. He wouldn't no. be. He wouldn't be. I mean he's what makes him all the rage is he can run as well as he can throw. And, but and, and I mean all, all other than the old guys, Rogers, who's actually pretty athletic. But he is Brady very fluid. And, but, but other than though the old the old guys. They all move now, man.
7: Well, think about the era we're in, too. You're you're talking about Trevor, who's a a guy that was Drew Bledsoe, that is Drew Bledsoe's size, but runs like, I'm trying to think somebody from that era. Steve Young? Yeah. I mean, he probably outruns Steve Young. Yes. Like, that's the era we're in. You had to be one or the other back in the day. Now you don't. Now you got big quarterbacks that can move.
0: Yeah. So let me, I'm going to transition this for a second. Florida's getting this guy, Graham Mertz. They settled on him.
7: Did you just transition from Trevor
0: to Graham? I I did. I did. How about that? You uncomfortable? (laughs) I'm trying to keep from. Yeah, you (laughs) know, there's a there's a there's a chance I could resign from the company after this. But but I see him and I see the guys that aren't good anymore. Yeah. And and I and I think, can you even be successful if you can't run? It's
7: tough. You got to be Kyle Trask. You got to be an elite. But now Kyle
0: Trask is a is a good example. But he, if, if would Kyle Trask be? I guess he'd still be good.
7: He would be good if he had in Kyle college. Pitts. Yeah, like he would. Well, I, I think what we're seeing in the NFL is he ever going to play? Is Kyle no, Trask I don't ever going to so. like, It doesn't seem like it. it that. doesn't. It, no.
0: There's, there's no. There's no uh, interest in moving him along. Is He's going
7: to be the guy that five years from now we're going to be watching a Thursday night football game. He's going to go in because somebody got hurt. And we're going to be like, oh. But, I didn't even know he's still in the but
0: league. See, I'm glad you brought him up because he's the perfect example of where I'm going with yep. this, is Kyle Trask 10 years ago would have been a nice little prospect, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't have a great arm, a good arm, mm-hmm. big, smart great processes, thinker. Yep. great thinker, accurate as hell. But now I think Skylar Thompson and Chris Streveler and obviously Brock Purdy mm-hmm. – And Bailey Zappi are way better prospects. Mike White. Mike White. Way Uh, better prospects than a guy like – I guess that's the point. Way better prospects than a guy like Kyle Trask.
7: Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Like, it it is – and he is a great – I don't – we should have led with that example because he really is a great one of kind of that old school – even the way he moves, the way he gets through the reads. He's so good at it, he can do it. And there's a lot of guys that way. But Justin Herbert's that way. Justin Mm -hmm. Herbert's very old school in a lot of things he does. But man, if you're not elite, elite, that's going to catch up to you at some point. And I just think it has with Kyle. And I'll tell but you, his that, brain got him a lot of yards.
0: You, you, yeah, and and so did Calpits. Yeah, and a great play caller. Say what that's you right. want about yep. Mullen, um, but you know something, sometimes hey, we talk about Stetson Bennett all the time. Stetson Bennett is really athletic. You know, on, on top of on top of all the other stuff, he can run like a. I mean, he's a guy that if he wasn't good at quarterback, would be somebody's backup slot receiver, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he be that kind of guy? I mean, he'd play for the Patriots. He would, wouldn't yeah. he? I mean, he, he would be the Patriots' slot receiver. That's him,
7: is as a victim of his own story. Yeah. People will not give up on Stetson's story about being Juco, walk-on, right. and just say, yo, this kid's pretty damn good. Good point. Like, I don't know why they won't do that, but he – it's not like – yeah, they're they're loaded at tight end and all that kind of stuff, but this guy makes five or six plays every single game that there's only ten people in college football that can make. yeah. And, Frank, to what you're saying, he's going to go and he's going to test. He's going to run a 4-6. Yeah. He's going to run a 1-6, 1-7, 1-8, 10-yard split. Like, he is a very athletic kid. People want to knock his arm strength. He's got plenty of arm strength.
0: Yeah. Again, when I when I go through my list of Strevler, Thompson, Purdy, Zappi, there's no doubt in my mind ben, Stetson Bennett is going to be in the league. Well, I mean,
5: Stetson. Now, he's
0: going to get to the league when he's 52, so I mean, I'll be kind of open, but there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in the league. He's going to be able to draw that 401k right, quick. That's exactly right. <laughs>
2: I wanted to to ask you something about you talking about this golden age of quarterbacks and another component to it is how long they can now play. And obviously the example of that is is the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. He's 46. Yesterday he's 34 of 45 for 432 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 127.3 passer rating. Do you think we're getting to an era where – in the next 15 years, we'll see more. Is this a skill that you think people will be able to do into their mid-40s? Could we see a, a Trevor Lawrence, a Caleb Williams have a 22, 23-year NFL career?
7: I mean, I guess we could. I think the wear and tear on the body, everybody talks about the way they're protecting the quarterback. But let's not forget the difference in camp, right, and, and all of the preseason programming. and all These guys literally never get hit now. And even in Brunel's era, they would go live occasionally, right? Like, right. it never gets hit. So, you, you start adding up all those hits. I think what Brady's done is and will always be the exception. But I do think you'll see more quarterbacks hit their peak at year 7 or 8 and ride that all the way to year 13. See, I
0: think, the first thing you said, I I, I think quarterbacks are not going to get older. They're going to get younger. I think Brady is just such a marvelous exception to every rule. I, I think – I think unlike the 36, 38, 39-year-old quarterbacks, I think it's going the other way. Russell Wilson all of a sudden became old at 33. Matt Stafford all of a sudden, to me, became old. Whereas before they wouldn't have been, I think it's going the other
7: way. Yeah, and and it definitely could. I I also think that I'm not sure. Y'all listen to me when I say this, because I know this is people are going to be like, what's he talking about? I'm not sure Brady could do what Brady's done today. Because in the era that Brady came up in, Bledsoe would be making $35, $40 million right, That's right. now. And right. there's no way he doesn't start again the next year. Right. right. I just, I think there's so many different things going on that didn't have that going on before, which, by the way, has crept down to college football as well with how much they're paying quarterbacks, that, that it's you know it'll be tough for somebody right. to hang around the league that long.
0: I'd rather have Daniel Jones than Stafford or Kirk Cousins. And, I, and if I'd have said that two years ago, I'd have laughed myself out of this building. And I may be wrong, but it's my opinion. I'd rather have Daniel You're Jones. You're talking about long-term. No, I'm talking about next week.
7: So if you have got to win one game, you'll take Daniel Jones.
0: Right now, I would take Daniel Jones over either one of those guys. Now, I mean, again, I may have lost my mind, yeah. but no, he, I get the point. He though, a, yeah. he's, hes athletic. He's run for 800 yards. He's gotten to where he's 15 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, he had a very good year. Right now, I'd rather—I wouldn't rather have him than Tom Brady. But I'm saying I would rather have Daniel Jones right now than either Cousins or Stafford. I—I—I
7: I, I get that. But let me ask. Let me rephrase that. If you're the Giants, are you set at quarterback?
0: I think they are. I think so. You I, don't. I, you don't even visit he, that the next draft. Or they two, got like, such a good coach. Yeah, that that I agrees. think he gets gets what. Up. But yeah, I think he. I think he had a really good year. He did. He I mean, he yeah. had a. He's he's there's gonna be, there's a ceiling. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's never gonna be Trevor Lawrence. But I think he's he's this generation's passing running guy.
7: It's also the reason why I would keep if I'm a team like Carolina. I would find a way to keep Darnold around, even if I'm going to draft early. Like, these guys, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Jerry Goff, these guys are hitting their stride now. Some mm-hmm. guys get it in year two and three. Yeah. Other guys get it in year five, six, and seven. But when they get it, you don't want to let them go, do you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting stuff. But I'll I, i I'll be interested to see where it goes with these athletic guys. Uh, like, Daniel Jones is really yeah, athletic. Scary. He's- go
7: look at his combine numbers. Go look at Andrew Luck's
0: combine numbers. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. I'll right. take one, uh, one, one more segment. Let's uh, check in on some of the Denny guys, where, uh, how their workouts are going, all that more. Stay with us. One time to go with Denny Thompson, Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Andrew Gibson. With you, Denny Thompson, talking quarterbacks. Update me on you guys now. Uh, Anthony Richardson's here, yeah, working with you, doing
7: great, doing great, great, great. Yeah. So First, give me, a,
0: give me, a, take me through a day. What was today?
7: Today was a heavy throw day, actually. Okay, so, so today was wake up early this morning, get him stretched out, get his arm warmed up, and
0: he goes to the stretching
7: place. So he goes to Torque, um, yeah. and Doctor and Tom the does Torque all that. People
0: are gonna appreciate me. I should say what their name is. Uh, the
7: stretching place. Um, Sorry. they do basically 90% of everything with him, but, okay. uh, and then we threw actually first time we threw routes today.
0: So he came to your facility. So we actually
7: did it outside today. Okay. So we went outside cause the weather was beautiful. So we okay. threw We had four receivers and we threw about 80 balls today. Okay. Which is a heavy throw day this time. And, of and, and
0: these are dumb questions, but who are the receivers? Just guys? guys uh, are around? yeah.
7: Guys that are playing either like arena ball okay. or something. They're, so legitimate yeah. receivers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, um. Uh, we're we're getting him ready for under center stuff. Okay, so that's what we spent the most time on, and then physically, he's getting reengaged ah. and getting his nutrition down. Which, listen for him, that's a tough thing. That's a how so, how so? He's a big dude. Okay. He is a big big dude and burns a ton of calories. Okay, right. So that's taking a little bit of playing around, but um. You know, Brian Braddock, the coach of St. Augustine. His mm-hmm. wife Jenna is is a nutritionist that we work with. Okay. okay, and she's phenomenal. So yeah, everybody's just getting settled in. It's yeah. fun.
0: It's funny the thing you said about learning to go under center. Here's what's funny about that. Remember, Trevor had an issue with that, Trevor, because he had never done it. But so so all these shotgun and spread guys in college have to learn to take snaps under center. But now the NFL doesn't do it. it very it's often. so. It's it, so, isn't so, it
7: funny. We we talked about this the other day. Like the whole combine process is so outdated. Yeah. It's like we're putting these guys through drills that haven't been relevant for 15 years, and we're spending two weeks of time teaching the 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 technique of a seven-step drop that he's going to run maybe 10 times in his rookie year. Right, right. Like, it's wild. Trust me. I wish we didn't have to do it.
2: The, the whole thing needs to be reimagined. Uh, absolutely. It of... It, 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 uh, it, uh vast array of positions i I would totally agree and i in in terms of it's two months away um and and maybe we do put too much emphasis on it um but uh but it's hard to believe two months from basically right now right now yeah uh, he'll be you know i i think you know the physical stuff we'll see what what anthony elects to do but um what's the process like getting him ready for you know the questions i mean again nick saban didn't specifically mention any player, but he talked about Bryce Young and Will Anderson playing, and he was like, "And this doesn't apply to Anthony exactly, yep. but it applies to some Gators, maybe." Uh, he said, uh, "You know, I've seen players opting out of their bowl games that are going to go in like the third or fourth round." Yep. You know, here Bryce Young and Will Anderson are playing in a bowl game that's not a playoff game, and uh, you know, and obviously are going to go very high in the draft. But what's that process like with Anthony in terms of you know knowing the 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 kinds of Questions and and getting them on the board and things like that. uh, With two months to go,
7: Anthony's done a really good job of putting a good team around him. I'm not talking about us. He's he's we've got a team of of guys of men and women around him that have been through this process so many times, and so there's a running list of questions that we know he's going to get, and we hit them every single day. And it's you know you can't hit all of them, but you pick one or two. And it's not that you're teaching them how to answer a question. It's you want to hear what they have to say, like genuinely. What, what is it – what do you have to say about the Kentucky game? Because that's going to be the big one, right? And if it's canned, sounds canned, it, it, Everybody see knows see through that. it because right. they do these interviews every year. But you can't improve somebody if you don't know the truth. Right. Right. And so at this, at this point, we're – like basically since it's still fresh, we're going over every game. <clears throat> what were you thinking here? What was this play call? What, what was the game plan coming in? Did you all stick to it? Did you not stick to it? Like why? What did you see? All that kind of stuff right now. And hopefully we can get that done in the next two or three weeks. And we've got some guest coaches coming in to to do some whiteboard stuff, both offensively and defensively with him. So it, it is a it is a process that we're just starting, but it's a grind and it's fun.
0: I want to go back to something for a second.
7: What, break time haze? Because break, break, break haze is break, awesome. Time, break
0: time haze is fantastic. And uh, Rocco, the deep snapper. Um, <laughs> but but, but I But I do want to go back to something we said a minute ago. It's kind of funny. From... Nineteen, I don't know, twenty, or whatever, to nineteen ninety, we like never had a deep, never had a shotgun snap. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, oh, think about
7: remember the Titans, I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> think right, about watching that movie, right?
0: right. But I'm thinking, what were we thinking, right? I mean, if if you can snap it back to a guy, and he's five or six yards back, and he's already in his drop, why did it take us like eighty years to figure that out?
7: Because they changed the rules so much. Because I mean, in yeah, nineteen eighty. You didn't know if that receiver was getting off the line. Yeah, good point. And you know That's what they didn't very, do in 1980? Very, very good point. They didn't run shallow crosses. Yeah. Because that guy was getting decapitated. Good point. Across. Good
0: point. So if you got – yeah, yeah, you're right. And you needed to run the whole – okay. It's it, the
7: greatest move the NFL ever made. And it's, it, you, their popularity went with it is when they made it an offensive game.
0: Yeah, you're right. And and, and they did a bunch of – number one, the head slapping. The yep. defensive end couldn't head slap anymore. Uh, you couldn't ride the receiver, you couldn't contact after five yards.
7: If you're young and listening to this, you don't know what we're talking about, there was a time in the NFL where if you chose to run down the middle of the field before the ball was thrown, they, they could hit you as hard as they wanted
0: to. And they also could ride you the whole way down the, the field. The whole way down. Yeah, the uh, Terry, Bradshaw's, do you know Terry Bradshaw's, do you know Terry Bradshaw's career, touchdowns versus interceptions?
7: Oh, I'm sure it's not good.
0: 212 to 210.
7: Yeah, I mean, look at Troy Aikman. His yeah. isn't that great. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, Bradshaw's was 212 to 210. Hall of Famer. One of the best quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> I think Namath
2: threw more picks than touchdowns. He, he might have. And was a sure-fire Hall of Fame. Yeah,
0: yeah. Think about that. And I mean, when
7: those guys went back to throw, they could let go of the ball, and three steps could be taken. This was in the rules. Right. And they could get hit. That's right.
0: I think think that, about that. Yeah, like, a- after the defensive end, it slapped the hell out of the head yeah. of the offensive <laughs> lineman because you could head, they head slapped back Completely then. different game than what it is now. Yeah, but it really is interesting. All right, Jeff Sims in Nebraska? Jeff's is in is Nebraska.
7: Yeah, happy birthday to Jeff. Jeff just turned 21 okay. uh, January 1st. All right, February. he's there. So, no, he went to Vegas for his birthday. Yeah, he'll come okay. back, get a couple weeks training, then he'll head up. Awesome. By the way, mm-hmm. Anthony doesn't turn 21 until May. Oh, so he's 20, I didn't know. He's 20 years old. How about that? I didn't know that Austin's he, doing he, great. We, we lose sight of that sometimes. Right. He's twenty years old. Well, we were talking about Jeff going to Vegas and I was yeah. like, Aunt you're gonna you wanna go? He's like, I'm I i can not go to Vegas. I'm not old enough.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, um did you go to Vegas? No. Okay. They're still there. <laughs> did uh Austin Reed from St. Augustine's one of your guys. He's staying at Western. Yep. Uh Anthony Richardson's one of your guys. He's here preparing for the draft. Um Jeff Sims is, is going to Nebraska. Ah, uh, Carson Beck. The, will you see Carson after it's all over? Yeah, yeah. Does yeah, yeah. the semester start too fast? It'll
7: start, but we'll make sure we get some time with Carson. I mean, it's a big year
0: coming up for Carson. Well, look, if they win it, which we all think they're going to now, I think. By the way, I think they're going to roll TCU. Do you I think do, that? Yeah, I, I do think too. they're gonna roll. Yeah. So, so they they go back to back. You're the guy that inherits the back to back. Welcome to Doug Johnson. Exactly. You know? No, I mean, exactly. I mean, you're the guy. That, you're the guy that inherits the Danny Werfel spot.
7: Yep. You yep. Know? And I'll tell you another one that. We've got in right now that I'm super impressed with is Holden Garner from Auburn. Okay. He's from Savannah originally. We've trained Holden since he was in ninth grade. Man, this guy. You don't, when you don't see him that freshman year of, of college and they're gone for four months and then they walk in, right. you kind of learn what they're supposed to look like. He looks like what you're supposed to look looks like. Looks so the part huh? Oh, my gosh. He looks unbelievable.
0: How's Beck doing, Carson Beck? Great. Is he good? Great. Waiting his turn and –
7: yeah, he's in a great place mentally. He's preparing like he's, you know – well, because it's true. I mean, he could get two plays in the next championship game. It could be his game. Yeah. And that's when your legacy starts when you're at the University of Florida or always, University of Georgia. My always, bad, Georgia. You're
0: always an ankle away. Ankle. Yeah, Matt Hayes wrote – we talked about this. Matt Hayes tweeted, will, will Kirby have the stones to go to Carson Beck when things when they were struggling in that game? See, I never thought that. I thought Stetson Bennett has shown – that that he can be not very good for a while and good at the end, right? Yeah. I I never thought about moving. Did you think that?
7: I did, but only because, and I realized it later, because Alabama did it to them. Yeah. That's the only reason. If that wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have thought about it.
0: All right. Danny Thompson, great work. All right. Thanks, guys. Danny Thompson talking quarterbacks and a whole lot more. (laughs) Let's say hello to Taylor Dahl now the
7: two-minute drill brought to you by tire outlet keeping 1010xl talking with wholesale prices and premium service tire outlet jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop
0: how you doing
9: i'm great how are you
0: taylor is a fan of all things chicago and notre dame <laughs> i am do you enjoy the gator Bowl?
9: oh it was so much fun Did it was you talk good trash? game i'm not i'm not much of a trash talker until it's over <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'll like I'll say some things here and there. No, I just I honestly wasn't expecting Notre Dame to win that game just because Buckner hadn't played since like week two, and I wasn't sure, and he wasn't even playing well when he was playing in week right. two. So it was a lot of question marks. Um, I think Notre Dame progressively got better during the season, so I didn't think it was going to be a blowout or anything. I just thought that the way that South Carolina had been playing more recently, it was going to be one of those games where they'd pull it out, but. It was fun. It was a blast. I had way too much to drink, but <laughs> it, it was fun. And I told you, I'm very superstitious. I think I've mentioned that on Cross story. Talk before. No, so I, story. I, had my, I had my seats. I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this isn't going I mean, well. 50
0: yard line club seats. Okay, just here, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
9: So I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is not going well. And they were down 21 7, I think, at this point. And I was like, I'm going to get a drink. And I told the people around me, by this time, I had made friends with the surrounding people. There's a lot of South Carolina fans in that stadium. Yes, that's a what lot. I heard um and so i'm looking around and i'm like this isn't working for me so i'm gonna go get a drink i may not be back because i have to change this vibe sure. so i moved i ended up in if you have ever been in the club section there's just kind of like standing room below so i went and stood in the standing room ended up making friends down there and from there notre dame came back so i say i did that you know what
0: that my- the, what did the south carolina people down there tell you
9: uh, they told me to go back to
0: my seat <laughs>
9: because I told them I moved down there because Notre Dame was losing at the top, and they were like, it's time for you to go
0: back. <laughs> That's part of the story. Taylor told me that story earlier. She said, South Carolina people said, please leave. I was like, I'm <laughs> so, sorry. too late now. Uh, the Bears aren't very good. No.
9: They're, they're but they're, but a- they're
0: rebuilding, right? So. Yeah,
9: they, yeah. It's been – I was not expecting much. I wasn't expecting three wins. I had, like, five when we did our preseason kind of estimations. I was saying about five wins. Um, The interesting thing is, was the whole time I was like, if we lose, uh, if we end up with the first or second pick, it's because Justin Fields is not the guy. And that's not the case at all. So it's kind of crazy to think that because the only reason we've been in games at all is because of Justin Fields. Um, But this – offseason is huge for the bears from i mean they had no money last year no first round draft pick last year only five picks total last year so this year they have all of that back and a coach who i do like iber i love ryan poles um so it'll be interesting but they're in a very different place than the jaguars are right now
0: what's coming up tonight what are we doing well
9: Jags talk obviously this is that's very fun and it's funny because a lot of my chicago friends are like wow you guys are talking postseason and we are have been in the draft for a few weeks and i was like yeah, this is uh, – I wasn't expecting it. I picked the Jacks to only win seven games this season, so it's it's fun for me to be able to do this. And obviously getting to do that p- against Tennessee, like that's that's fun.
0: Are you going Saturday night?
9: Yes, oh, I will be good. there. You the moment night. it got announced, we were all sitting there just waiting and waiting, right, when it, right. and it flashed up on the TV, and I was like, Saturday, yes. I don't have to go to work early the next day. You know, <laughs> I, think to I, will, I
0: think I'm going to go to ta- Taylor's tailgate. What do you you want to <laughs> so, you, you come, come with me? Absolutely. Can you imagine you and me and Taylor's tailgate? Oh and i got to call a game, that would be spectacular. That's
9: where the issue would arise is you would have to go call a <laughs> That
0: would be spectacular. All right, Taylor, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Taylor, Mia, and Lauren, they have uh, Helmets and Heels. that comes up in just a bit. Folks, that's our program. Thanks for being part of it. But don't go anywhere. Helmets and Heels is next on 1010 xl 92.5. Event. For Hayes, Lauren, give Me, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.